Here we are in episode four of Fast Travel Lounge. I am Patrick. I'm once again joined by Steve, Josh, and Seth. First question I have for the group, it's the end of November. How many times have we heard Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You? Zero. Thank zero. Lord. Yeah, actually zero for me too. Not working in retail has its blessing. Oh, I bet. Even even just going to my local countdown, they've just started just stocking the, the Christmas mince pies, just like a giant, like, palette full of them in the middle of the fruit and vegetable section and it's not even december it blows my mind the people that, that want to go out and start buying this shit or, uh, already actually i just remembered i've heard it once and it was because of a meme picture that was going around so i don't really count that it was just it, it was the song going hey get prepared for this coming <laughs> just throws you straight back into the deep end do we translate oh. countdown for australians to woolies and i guess uh, for americans yeah, to that, walmart that just, uh, uh yeah <laughs> Yeah, what are they counting much. down to, bud? <laughs> Until Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where all you want for Christmas is for the music to stop. Anyway, let's get on with the show. <laughs> uh, let's do Around the Lounge. We'll start with Josh. What have you been up to this week, Josh? Uh, I've done nothing but play Pokemon and sell my, sell, like, sell my soul over to Game Freak, as well as <laughs> Gunfire Reborn patch number one, so the, the base release of the game. Fantastic. Uh, what about you, Steve? How have you been faring this past week? Yeah, good, good. I've also been playing Pokemon, and I'm still on the Halo Infinite train and been watching the live-action Cowboy Bebop. Can't wait to discuss those. I have also been playing Pokemon, and I finally finished Road 96, so you hear a few of my thoughts on that. And Seth, lucky last, you haven't been playing Pokemon? Yeah, no, I um, I avoided it because I am a poor bitch for the next couple of weeks. But um, to make up for that, I've done a lot this week. I've uh, finished Final Fantasy Tactics. I've played the King of Fighters 15 beta, and I watched Shang Chi. Well, amazingly, the last three episodes happen to be themed just because there's been a game that quite a few of us have played and wanted to discuss. So why don't we discuss your week first, and then we'll have the the Pokemon Power Hour uh, to follow. Yeah, sure. So um, uh, I'll start off with the King of Fighters 15 beta because I think that's the least I have to say on anything. Um, so are you guys familiar with how fighting game netcode works? I've heard the words thrown around. Okay, so that... For, some, for my best friend doesn't know how, to, how it works. Maybe <laughs> explain it to him. Okay, so there's two different main methods that to go on. There's delay-based netcode, which delays your input to try and make the, um, the gameplay look smoother. Or there's rollback netcode, which uh, kind of tries to predict what's going to be happening. And if there's a interruption between you and your opponent's connection it'll roll back a couple of frames usually if it's a small amount like three frames it's not noticeable at all but if it's done badly it's very noticeable um so king of fighters is going to be using rollback which is the preferred method for fighting game players and boy that didn't feel like it at all it felt like it was on delay based netcode because the entire time i was playing it i felt like i was playing underwater oh like steven's microphone last episode yeah, Ooh. like Steven's microphone a few episodes back. It it was horrid. I mean, we were living under the sea. I, I, have you guys seen that movie, <laughs> The Little Mermaid? That's where I was. <laughs> so, yeah, King of Fighters beta. How did the gameplay feel, though? So, King of Fighters 15 is pretty difficult to me because it's not like Street Fighter. Like, 
they're, they're similar games in how they're set up in that a lot of the combos are like link based and things like that. But um, the links are a lot harder in King of Fighters than they are in Street Fighter. It didn't feel like things were hitting as smoothly as I expected them to. It's more of just a learning curve on my end, though, of I need to learn how this game works and how its combos work. But um, the few things that I did, uh, I, I hit the training mode for a little bit just to try and learn some stuff. And I already started hitting some touch of death combos, which are just uh, doing 100% of the opponent's uh, health bar in one combo. And those were pretty fun. The first touch of deaths I've ever hit. And I had to do it with the Queen Shermie, just crushing people with her huge 4K ass. So you're using a queen in a King of Fighters game? Oh, yes. Um, It's funny enough, there's a character in King of Fighters called King that is also a female. Hmm. So when you say that it felt like you were playing underwater, is this against, I'm assuming this is against other players. So presumably the other end of the connection was also playing underwater. Or is there yeah. generally one side that fares better in these? Um, so with rollback, it's usually about the same. Sometimes if there's a big disconnect, they have the host feels better than the um, opponents, or rather it won't feel better, but it'll roll back more for the opponent. So you could do a thing where it like, you hit someone and it's quickly pops up with the KO screen, but then it'll roll back like eight or 10 frames and say, oh no, never mind, it didn't do that. You're still in the middle of the match. That sounds horrendous. Holy shit, how do you play that? It's, it's when rollback connections are very bad. Um, that's when that happens. Usually it's way more manageable and it's only like three frames. So the rollback will be in the middle of a move that is already connecting anyway. Ah, uh, okay. That makes yeah. sense. Okay. And it's, a much, it's much more preferable to delay where over a short distance, delay just starts breaking on itself. But um, yeah, uh, my impressions, pretty good game. Uh, I'm excited for when it comes out. But uh, I really hope that that um that netcode gets fixed up. And but when would the game be out? It's sometime next year. I don't know the exact release dates, but um, it's it's early twenty twenty two. I'm pretty sure. Uh, so moving on from King of Fighters, though. Uh, after four months, I think it was, I finally finished Final Fantasy Tactics. And I'm a little pissed off with that because the li literally the one thing I wanted to do the entire game got uh, uh got denied by me. I spent your you can get uh the Final Fantasy VII character Cloud at the game in the game, but it's not until the very end of the game that you can get him. And I made a stupid decision where I got locked out of finishing a side quest, which meant I couldn't do the side quest to get him. Typical what do you, what do you mean you couldn't? Yeah, hang on. What, what, what do you mean you couldn't finish the side quest? So you have to do all the side quests. So there's three side quests in the game. And uh, you have to do the first two to finish the side quest for Cloud, even though the second side quest has nothing to do with him, as far as I can tell. Um, the first one that you, uh, you use uh, some of the Zodiac Stones from the game's uh, story to activate a, a machine. And after activating that machine... Uh, a character will find an interdimensional transporting device and uh, you use a different Zodiac stone uh, to use that, but you need that robot to get to the area of the map that has that Zodiac stone. So that's where that connection comes in for that side quest. 
you need to get the robots to get the stone to get Cloud transported to the tactics world. And you can't go back? Uh, no, it, I, I did that part perfectly. It's the second side quest that I fucked up, which is you help this character named Beowulf find his, uh, his partner, and his partner turns out to be a dragon um, that you save at the bottom of a mining shaft. And I thought the side quest ended there because there's nothing to imply that the story for that finished, uh, well, is meant to keep going. I just assumed it was done. Um, it turns out you have to take her to that uh, island where the robot is needed to turn that dragon back human. And you have to turn her human so you can get Cloud, even though I already transported him to the world and the rest of her story doesn't tie into Cloud's story at all. Hold up, so you've already transported Cloud back to the Tactics world? Yes. So you don't have Cloud? I cannot get Cloud because I didn't do that second side quest. So he's in the Tactics world, but the trigger for his arm, um, the fights where I can get him, will not activate. But you can't get and you back can't and just, finish that? And you, yeah, and you can't just head back and turn her back into a human from Dragon? Or whatever no, the, because, the so, order of so operations what is? So what happened is I got rid of the Dragon because I was locked into a situation where um, I was trying to get a character into my party, but all my reserve members were out on jobs, so my only options were to get rid of the named party members. And because I assumed the Dragon's storyline was over, I got rid of the Dragon because I wanted to keep the other characters for story reasons. Ah, you fool. <laughs> Definitely seems like you made a horrible mistake getting rid of the dragon. Uh, the dragon wasn't actually that good of a unit. It's supposed to be better once you turn her human, but I didn't know that you could turn her human until after the fact. Oh well. But we uh, yeah, now. so so <laughs> it was it was a big mistake on my end, but it's also very frustrating that this side quest that has nothing to do with clouds locked me out of getting him when I literally saw the cutscene to bring him into the world. That is kind of odd. So is Final Fantasy Tactics actually a good game? I've heard so much about it. It's one of those always been in the back of the mind. Everyone's always talking about it. I I enjoy it, but I find it a little overrated, honestly. Like, it's a very good game, but I feel like a lot of the people that have sung its praises um, over, overhype it a little bit. Does it need more dragons? No, not that specifically. Like, the way it was described, I was expecting it to be, like, this ultimate best strategy game ever that just blows everything out of the water. And while it does have systems in there, like the job system where you can switch your characters at jobs and mix and match gear and things like that to make very powerful and fun units, in terms of um the tactics game uh, setup itself, it felt very standard, like I'd find in a Fire Emblem that of a similar style. And there's a few hangups that I have in terms of presentation. Like, in, uh, at the beginning of the uh, maps, you just have a bunch of blocks where you can place your characters, but you don't see what the uh, the area looks like as you're placing them down or where the enemy units are going to be. Which so I find kind blind. of annoying. Yeah, you're just putting them in blind and hoping for the best. And mm. I've had points where I put them in and then uh, there's like a wall between my units, which is... Not visible <laughs> from the blind uh, placement. I suppose that's part of the uh, the tactic of tactics, though, right? If you, you throw it in and then you, you get something wrong, you, you're not going to make that same mistake the next time, presumably. So it's Most tactics games that I've seen l at least let you see the layout of the map so you can make those sort of decisions. 
yeah, of like, most of the oh, ones hey, I played I just give you a default position for that particular map. So yeah, no, with um with the games like Fire Emblem, you see the map and you place the um units around like your area that you can place them in. So you'll have like maybe like a five by five or a ten by ten grid or different sort of styles of grids, and uh, you can um you'll can place them anywhere inside that grid as long as um it's a standable area. So why don't you just stack them all on top of each other? Death bullet. <laughs> you can't stack with characters on top of each other, unfortunately. Yeah, but like build a little um build a little oh, unit. Oh, right. You know, just yeah. all, all adjacent. I've done Phalanx, that before. I've I've done that before, actually. Um there's there's actually a boss fight that requires you to that literally your only choice is to do that. <laughs> with like one one space set free. So you could like make a space at the front, the back, or in the middle. Promise but, we um, won't make a phalanx. Me and the boy, me and the boys, after a couple of drinks, that that meme is so good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, to to slightly spoil a twenty-year-old game, twenty-plus-year-old game, uh, the character deleter in that game is the actual worst. At the very beginning of the game, his um sister is. So, uh, I I understand where he's coming from because uh, he's he's got the outlook of the world fucks me, so I'm going to fuck the world back by using everyone. Uh, at the very beginning of the game, uh, the protagonist's brother kills uh, uh, his sister, just out of necessity—not really necessi- necessity, but they viewed her life as meaningless because she was held hostage, and uh, she's a farmer girl, so her life was nothing to the royal family. And uh, the leader takes that as a moment of enlightenment for himself and thinks, "Well, if everyone's going to use me, I'm just going to use everyone back and get control of the world." So his entire character arc is betraying literally everyone he knows and killing people to become the king to the point where he ends up killing the queen at the very end of the game because she she's like, you're just going to betray me too, like you've betrayed everyone else, and she stabs him. Uh, Wait, she stabs him, but he kills her? Yeah. She stabs him, and then he gets the killing blow on her and starts bleeding out, but uh, he lived. he still lived past that. But, um... The theme of the game is like, at least to me, the theme seems to be that um, uh, history isn't everything that's made up to be, because um, the premise of the story is that the uh, the his- history says that the leader was a good, kind king and he stopped the war between nations, but um, uh, there's more to the story that needs to be uncovered, and that's Ram's story, the protagonist story, that gets uncovered. And as you're playing through, you realize the leader didn't actually do a whole lot besides just play the political game of moving up in the world, while Ramza was the one that stopped the war and stopped all the powers and everything. So the leader's history has remembered the leader, but because Ramza got branded a heretic, the church has been burying his life and keeping the leader as this, uh, this great figure in history. But so, um, do you think do you think you'll you'll take those outlooks on life? Uh, with you into you know day to day life as you look around the political landscape of the current clusterfuck we exist in. I live in Australia. We're already getting people outed for corruption. <laughs> it's just a weekly event here. <laughs> yeah, it's just a weekly event of seeing uh, politicians trip over themselves over here. What would you uh, What would you give it out of ten? Probably like an eight. Like oh, like I said, it's still right. a, it's oh, yeah. a still a good game, but like the way the place i'm coming from where i think it's a little overrated is um is people make it out like it's an 11 out of 10 game 
where I'm sitting here like, no, I enjoyed it a lot. It's an 8 out of 10. Have you been playing the the original version? Because I think, if I recall correctly, and don't quote me on this, there is like some sort of enhanced edition with air quotation marks that I'm doing that you can't see. Yeah, there's a there's a PSP remake as well. I've been playing the PS1 version because I had heard that was the better version. Turns out it's not. The PSP remake is actually preferable in some ways or doing the PS1 version with mods that puts in the PSP enhancements. PSP and then Master the, Race. Yeah, and then, and then yeah. the PlayStation Vita version running PSP ROM would just be the next step up again, I assume. Oh, exactly. That, that is the peak way to play it because it's on it's on the Vita's OLED screen. Yeah, <laughs> what a great console. So with with Sony taking down their um their support for the stores soon, how will our lovely one listener out there in the world go and be able to play this? Emulation. That's how I yeah, played okay. it. Yeah, fair enough. No, I was just wondering if there was any more official channels than that. But yeah, emulation sounds good. Here on the Fast Travel Lounge, at the very least, I endorse emulation when you're not able to legally buy a game. Yes. And when you are legally able to buy a game? I still support emulation, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you do you. <laughs> All right, cool. And it also seems that you watched Shang-Chi. How was that? Shang-Chi was really good. So um, I did a group watch of that with uh, my girlfriend and some of her friends. And uh, we just got together and watched Shang-Chi over the weekend because uh, it was just on Disney Plus and some of us hadn't seen it. Uh, it was my girlfriend's third time seeing it, though, because she enjoys that movie a lot. So you were the Shang-Chi and your girlfriend and friends were the Seven Rings? Uh, I I would have preferred to be a ring, actually, because those things are really cool. So, so to get I don't into know the what ring... this is. I'm pretty sure yeah. Steven might not know what this is. Can we no, get a, I, uh... I saw it last week. You saw it last well. week? Okay, well, I'm the only it's one that doesn't know what this is. Can someone give me a, a synopsis? <laughs> Can someone explain it to, jo- jo- to Josh's hypothetical friend what yeah, uh, Shang-Chi is? <laughs> Marvel Dragon Ball Z, basically. That is a terrible explanation. <laughs> give me, give me so, two sentences of uh, basic plot. Basic plot. Um, it's a Marvel uh, movie. What do you mean, basic plot? There is no plot in a Marvel movie. This is my problem. Where's the, where's the plot in this? <laughs> so, um, uh, the character Shang Chi is trying to run away from uh, his life problems because his dad is a thousand-year-old assassin. Uh, but after he calms down oh, for a relatable. bit, because, <laughs> yeah, his dad calmed down for a bit, got a family, and then his wife died because of his past actions. So and, modern uh, day film, like you know, yeah, ancient... yeah, modern day film. Okay. So, so his dad's lived for a thousand years, but um, during that thousand years, it's like now we're at current time. But um, after his uh, mother dies, his dad goes back to his crime lord ways, and he starts hearing voices saying that um, she's back in her uh, magical homeland and uh, uh, they, he needs to free her because only the, uh, only the Ten Rings have the power to break this deal. And it turns out that it's, um, it's dark, it's dark uh, creatures calling him from across, the, uh, across dimensions to free them so they can eat human souls. So is this based in the real world? Is it a fantasy world? Mix of both. Mix of it's, it starts off in the real world and it goes into a fantasy world later. So just gold encompassing it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. So, but, so yeah. What do we think? Um, it's really, really good. Actually, it's probably my third favorite of the Marvel films. Uh, the top, Marvel. the other oh, top you've two. You've lost my interest. Oh, right, now we got another. <laughs> now we got another top one. Here we go. Back onto Marvel chat, fellas. No, no. Continue. Top three for me would be Iron Man, 
uh, Winter Soldier, probably, and uh, Shang-Chi. Okay. So who would win in a fight? <laughs> Shang-Chi. <laughs> those, those ten rings are pretty damn cool. Um, Alright, so, what, about, what about one ring versus Iron Man? I think that w I think one ring would still do very well against Iron Man. Um, so they they took the bold decision to turn the ten rings from actual rings around your fingers to be ten armbands, and on a visual level, I can see why they did that because it gives them a whole lot more range to work with for fight choreography, because they start being thrown around like uh, Dragon Ball Key blasts or being used like whips or um flailing them around to make a shield against bows and arrows and other sort of weapons. So, so is she a superhero? Is that... Oh, Shang-Chi is a guy. Is he a, a superhero? <laughs> uh, by the end of the movie, yes. Yeah, by the end of the movie, yes. So <laughs> can we expect to see them in, like, you know, Avengers stuff? Uh, the, the theory at the moment is he's going to be leading up the East Coast Avengers because I believe the main Avengers are on the West Coast. Right. Okay. Are they? I thought they were all based in New York. Okay, yeah, yeah, they're, they're right, East they Coast, the and he'll be West Coast. Oh, okay, I, yeah. I get my US map mixed up. I just look in the mirror, then you're right. up gang signs, you know, West Side. Yeah. So <laughs> but, um, the also, movie. in the in the movie, his his sister is, like, probably my favourite character in the movie, and she she is going to be uh someone to look out for in the future of the series as well. But they do call out to Wong from the Stephen Strange sort of... Uh, aspect of that so maybe he's sort of connected to that sort of universe maybe he'll be in that maybe of badness one that's coming out was there an after credit scene i don't know there's there's two uh, there's two after credit scenes I, i'm just trying to dance around them at the moment to not spoil oh, okay. it because it's just come out on disney plus yeah no there have to be after credits that, that that's where all the plot is <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's why all the marvel boys like i just can't wait to see the after credits that's why i watched that part three times and not the actual hey. movie <laughs> <laughs> That's so why I sneak into cinemas at the end of the film, <laughs> just for the plot. <laughs> it's gotten to a point now where every movie has an article of, does this movie have an after credit scene? Yeah. Yeah, it does, and every other movie's trying to copy it as well. Yeah, I went yeah. to see a My Hero Academia movie um, the, the, a few weeks back with one of our friends, and he was waiting around going, I'm sure there's going to be an after credit scene. And I'm like, I, I, if there is, I don't care. I'll watch it online. <laughs> Like, I, I'm not waiting around in this deal. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> but yeah, uh, just before I move off Chang-Chi, my top two points for the movie is, hey, this is an actual Marvel movie with proper fight choreography, so the fights don't look like shit now. And uh, it's not tied down by Tony Stark's legacy. It, they make, like, one callback, which is, like, a full Marvel thing. And there's a little bit of Doctor Strange in there because of the character Wong. But they avoid it tying down the character by any Tony Stark legacy bullshit that they have been for Spider-Man, which instantly makes him a good character uh, for me. Fair enough. Uh, is it a strong enough film that you'd actually suggest someone go and pick up Disney Plus to watch? Or just strong if you have it, but you're not missing out much if you don't? I, I recommend watching the movie. Uh, Dis Disney Plus is like, do you, if you want to support the mouse, go for it. If not, uh, just just find other ways to watch the movie. So you would support emulating the movie? Yes. <laughs> Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum get on those pirate ships. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds good. Thank you for that, Seth. Um, I think we will uh, elegantly transition into me talking about Road 96 for five minutes just because I 
teased at the end of last episode that I was going to finish it this week. I did. Uh, the points from last week are still valid. The soundtrack is still the, the highest point of it. But uh, I thought and was sadly proven correct that the story was going to be a uh, all of your choices will make sense at the end, trust me. But the biggest downfall of it, which I pointed out last week, but just want to uh, dig into a little bit again here, is that because so much of it relies on proc gen, right? Like, you're, you're just a teenager. You're just a random teenager. But so many of the choices that the game asks you to make, you make from the context of, I have been playing this person for 30 minutes, and at the end, this character will mean absolutely nothing to me. So it's really weird that the game puts you in situations where you decide to either save a recurring character that you've set, that you've met, you know, X number of times across different playthroughs, or just the random nameless teenager that you're currently playing as. And I tried to go for, I'm not even sure, there, there are multiple endings. I don't know which ending uh, I, I got relative to like the good ending, the bad ending, the, the best ending. Um, I feel like there's probably three or four. Uh, the one that I got was that the state won. <laughs> there was a revolution and it got crushed, uh, as it should be. Uh, yeah. but the um but i i do intend to give it another go and just see how much anarchy i can cause uh because i think the um yeah i'm i'm interested to know how much of what my ending was was based on my choices or based on sort of proc gen uh circumstance and i say that as there are just sort of weird moments where you get to the final stage as uh, a character, and I I didn't even think that it was going to be going into the epilogue, but I get taken into a detention center, and the whole thing is there is this big event happening in a couple of months from when you start the game, and it just puts you in this detention center for like for like several weeks, and then that just goes straight to the epilogue, and so the character that I was playing as meant absolutely nothing to me, but it was really funny seeing characters that I'd met maybe once before trying to put me in these sort of emotional moments of do you want to do you want to save like a character you actually know the name of or yourself. And naturally for story purposes, I always chose save the other character, which meant that quite a few of the times that my characters died, it was in service of getting another character out. But yeah, it is, it is a bit of a shame that, that it sort of falls on its own sort of wanting to set up this big finale and it just not really paying off. I, I stand by my criticism last week and that if the developers had just gone and made a developing branching like make it a non-linear story but but make it like a handcrafted non-linear story rather than just leaving it up to procedural generation i think having certain elements tweaked and decisions made to place certain uh moments at certain parts through your run through the game would have just made it stronger overall like you get into there's like uh, I had a big rant about this to someone else, but there's like a really like funny, but in the context of the game, annoying moment where at the playthrough, at the the end of one of the playthroughs, uh, you just bump into a character who has had this big existential crisis, and the game gives you like a one minute cutscene of here's what happened to her. Uh, character's name Zoe doesn't really mean anything. Um, here's what happened to Zoe since the last time you saw her, and it's just like a one little one minute montage of like a silent film of just her being put into random situations. And then, and that whole thing is just to set it up so that it's not weird when you suddenly bump into her again, because the last time that you saw her on a previous playthrough was being taken away by the resistance. And so you, you meet her again and she's like, I had this big change of heart. I decided I'm going to help people. But 
the way that I'm going to help people is by doing things that I always had the power to do, and I haven't really changed the character. You're like, okay, cool, probably just a procedural generation quirk, fine. Uh, you then like, uh, you then go to sleep and wake up with the intention of crossing the border the next day. But you wake up and you were supposed to cross the border together, and there's just a note saying like, hey, I had to leave. Uh, I think it would be safer if we crossed individually. I'm sorry. And you're like, okay, fair enough. Uh, characters have never lasted more than one, like, day or sequence with the person you're playing through as anyway. Fine. Uh, you go into the next area, and you bump into her again. And her first thing is, hey, I'm really sorry for leaving you back there. I hope you'll forgive me. And it's like, we've known each other for, like, an hour. What do you mean? <laughs> like, the procedural generation. I'm sure there's a chance that that, that, that like, reuniting moment would mean something to another playthrough. But to mine, it just felt so disjointed between having, like, just having a random chance encounter with a character and then it trying to be this emotional, like, oh, hey, I, uh, you know, I'm really sorry for, for making a choice without you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we should still go over the border together. And I'm not even sure if it's a spoiler or not, but uh, she winds up getting that character killed at the end of that playthrough. So, man, just nothing but a sequence of bad choices from Zoe at the end of that one. That's pretty much all I want to say about um, Road 96. I stand by the, the 6 out of 10 I gave it last week. If it's on sale, probably worth like looking at if you're interested in Life is Strange stuff, but I wouldn't stray too far out of my way for it, but still would highly recommend people listen to the soundtrack. Okay, sounds like, yeah, more of, more of the same from last week then, hey? <laughs> yeah, bit of a shame, but glad I finished it. I, I, I needed to know. Are you satisfied with the ending, but that's the most important question. No, I'm not. That's what I mean. The whole thing is just like the game okay. is just setting up like, hey, don't worry, you made a bunch of choices, but I bet you're going to wonder how they all come together. And then they all come together and you're like, well, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of a shame because it sounded like the ending was what was going to tie the whole game together from either jumping up from a 6 out of 10 or just staying where it was. Yeah, like the, the, the bit that sort of annoyed me, just as like a final, I think it's more of just like a writing criticism, but but all of the recurring characters had been written such that they almost all knew each other and that the whole thing that and the whole role that you played in the game was just working out these interactions between them like there was there was one moment that i can think of where two characters met that hadn't previously met but it meant so little like having the game written in a way that characters develop relationships as they go rather than you just sort of unearthing the connections i think would have just made it a much stronger story-driven game and that's what it tries to sell you on so yeah it's a shame but the soundtrack's still awesome so oh well i guess <laughs> at least there was one positive takeaway oh uh, yeah but that one positive is still still a, a definite selling point uh the soundtrack anyone uh, anyone out there that's interested you can just find on spotify um just road 96 soundtrack people will find it um Shall we move on to Steve with what you've done that isn't Pokemon? Um, yeah, so I've been watching the live-action Cowboy Bebop um, that came out last week. I'm only up to episode five, I think. Just watching one episode a night. Not a fan of the, the binge at all and see how we go type of thing. So I, generally, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm a big fan of Cowboy Bebop, the anime. I've watched it probably three or four times through. Most recent time was probably like two or three years ago. I I I'm just gonna I'm just gonna catch you up on on I'm gonna ask about one thing you said there. You said you really enjoyed it. That seems to be at odds with everyone. Literally everyone. All all I've been seeing is that the the Netflix show is horrible, 
and they didn't understand the show at all. Well, maybe it gets like um towards the end, but I've most people I've I saw seen... tapped out by episode four. Well, Hideo- maybe that's it. Maybe that's Hideo Kojima like... tapped out at episode one. <laughs> uh, should we really be taking advice from you on what makes a story good? It's probably the the key takeaway there. But it's good. The soundtrack is like really nice. I was. They probably do overperform the jazz a bit. It does. Mm. It, it's it's always there. Um, it sort of feels like even the quiet moments there's always something going on and sort of distracting from the tone. But the characters of both Spike and Jet, they're both like really good. They've got like a good, good cop bad cop vibe that is in a way that's cringy, so it really translates well from the anime. Um, I think I've only seen like two episodes with Faye. And she's really good as well. They've, they've definitely toned down her sex appeal, which I think is a positive thing. It's just more than I can now. She can actually do things. You mean because it's live action that they can't just, uh, you know, enlarge parts of the cartoon? What do you mean? <laughs> Chest size should be three times bigger than the head size, right? That's just normal. That's just Japanese I've never seen a woman before, I swear. <laughs> um, is it the original soundtrack just redone and, like, you know, re- recomposed, or is it different music? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's recomposed plus with a bit of extras. Um, they they redid the intro, and I I get the feeling they did some. They redid the uh, ending as well, and there's some like during fight scenes and stuff. It's I'm not really that familiar with the soundtrack, but it does seem familiar enough that I can't pick up. It's like oh, this doesn't suit the scene at all. Um, but yeah, there are some like quiet scenes or some tense scenes, and it's like oh look. There's a saxophone playing. (laughs) Some some really (laughs) tense moments. The jazz is just like, hello there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The story, is the the story also taken from the original or did they try and do something new with it? Because I know very little about either the original or this remake. Uh, They try to stick to it in some ways, but they have done a couple of extra things exploring um, Vicious, which is sort of the Mm, bad guy antagonist. Yeah. Yeah. Which you never, like, in the original anime, you kind of don't even hear about him at all, except for, like, a flashback memory very early on. And then he pops up very, very briefly towards the end of the anime. So that's probably a good thing, but it's also one of the things I I really loved about the anime was that it was just so open to interpretation and just respective of real life rather than trying to be a drama show. So, yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know how I feel about that. I'll have to give it a watch. Yeah, like, I, 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 I... I rate it, like, probably give it, well, I think it's like only 10 episodes long. The episodes are about uh, between, I think, 35 to 50 minutes. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Maybe try a couple of episodes if it's not for you. I will say that the fight scenes look very choreographed in a way that to the point where it's like, you can tell it's not natural. Um, But maybe that's because, maybe it's the camera angles, maybe it's the the style of what they've chosen to do, but it does seem very overdone. But then at the same time, the the fight scenes in the anime were overdone, and maybe because it wasn't as anime, it doesn't feel cringy. But in when it's translated on that, yeah, one-to-one. I was wondering if yeah. that would just be like a translation issue between yeah, the, the it, different formats. It probably is. Um, I was gonna say the same thing because the original, the, the, like the fight scenes, were very like he did stuff that would have to be choreographed to be done in a, like a live action format, but it was done in such a way that he basically like was clumsy and kind of like fell through the combat almost. 
so I don't really know how that would translate to the real world camera. So uh, it would be it would Jackie be Jackie Chan difficult. has been doing that for literally decades. Yeah, but Jackie Chan does it in a comedic way. So yeah, it, it does it doesn't really suit. Um, like there are a couple of like minor fight scenes towards like the start of episodes, like as they're building up there, it's and a couple of like chase scenes where it's like all right, but there's like big fight scenes towards the end, and it's like oh okay. That's pretty weird. Like nobody moves like that. And if you actually fight like that, not that I'm a fighter by any way, shape, or form, but it's like that's just that's it. But your like, best friend that is a fighter would would criticize it, I assume. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. So yeah. there's, so there's this popular YouTuber called Logan Paul, right? Oh no, 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 <laughs> oh, my no. God. <laughs> this is your call that big fella. I'm waiting. <laughs> um, but yeah, long story short, I'm enjoying it. If you really like the anime, probably give it a couple of watches, see if it resonates with you. Maybe even give it a review, even if you're not that, if not a fan of the anime, like you might sort of tune on to this a bit better. See, weirdly, I actually think Josh might enjoy it because statistically his opinion is wrong. So if the prevailing Ooh. opinion from the internet is that it's it's terrible, he, he might actually quite enjoy it. You say that, but you loved Gunfire, and I really liked Deep Rock so far, so I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe my opinions are changing <laughs> but you also now that like I have Skyrim. to predict for them. I love Skyrim, Ooh. yeah. Ooh. I think everyone <laughs> likes Skyrim. Though. That's one of those things that never, never go away. Seth's just lying quietly in the in the shadows of the uh, of, of the recording, waiting to strike, and then just hits them with the Viper Bite of Skyrim as shit, and then dabs and runs out. Meanwhile, he's got, like, Todd Howard, his bad posters all around his walls that he's recording. In, oh, you know? no, I love Todd Howard. He's a great man. I, I wish for him to tell me more lies. Yep. Joins a podcast, says Skyrim is shit, refuses to elaborate, leaves. I did elaborate last week, though. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The Chad Skyrim hater. Yeah. Should we, um, speaking of things that I, I do like that you also like, should I quickly touch on Gunfire before we move on to Pokemon? Um, yes, please. Yeah. Sure. I mean, alternatively, whether Steve wanted to, to touch on Halo Infinite, which I understand you're playing quite a bit of as well. Oh, yeah. Or playing quite a bit of like trying to do a juggling act of playing Halo and Pokemon. Um, but they've sort of, it's still in the beta form, not really that much changes from last week. The battle pass thing is still pretty rough and it's sort of hard to get progress. Like there's a hundred levels and I'm at like level 10 and it's like a thousand XP points you need to level up and you get like 50 per game and it's pretty rough like that. They have started a sort of seasonal weekly event um, where you can get like samurai armor and that that's like the, the Tenrai event and that's sort of cool like it does have like a new multiplayer mode um i think it's called festival or something and it's pretty much just like random loadouts and it's like actually the chaos when you're dropping with like a pistol and a rocket launcher and it's like oh how good i've got a rocket launcher and you get like four shots you're like all right i'm out what do i do uh so i'm having fun with it i'll keep playing with it probably keep playing it for ages uh still having battle pass problems but the important thing is that i'm having fun that battle pass is so bad it's 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 atrocious the samurai armor looks so bad compared to the one that was in Halo 3 that they're trying to, like, harp back to. Because everyone wanted it in Halo 3, and it looked great. This just looks like... It looks like a cosmetic. It doesn't look like it suits a Spartan. Well, the problem with that is, though, because the, it's the armor as a whole instead of, like, bits and pieces from the armor. You can't really customize with things so it would look better. And because with the, the way that they've done the color schemes, those color schemes come as a... You can only choose, you can change everything or you can change nothing. So you can't even get that, that real balance of like painting it to look like cool, different or anything like that. So, and it does look classic but at the same time, I'm, I'm sick of looking at the standard spot. I think it's the Mark V, whatever they're up to armor. 
give me something new. And this is the easiest way to get to it that I'm not having to pay money for. Okay. And that's it. Definitely, Halo de- definitely uh, hit me up when they decide to do uh, Monster Hunter style buff body gamma as a as a oh, uh, God. layer. As like an armor, la- I want to say layered armor, but that, of course that's the monster hunter term. I can't. I don't know because cosmetic skin, whatever, whatever you call it in Halo. Hit, hit me with that buff body gamma. Then then we'll talk. <laughs> um, cool. I, I played a little bit of Infinite as, as well this week while we're while we're on the Infinite bit. I oh go I on. I was then. a bit harsh on it last week. I think it it is still <laughs> fun. It's not. I mean, the, the the day before recording, you wanted to completely end it. So I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some some could say you you were harsh on it last I, week. I was a little harsh on it, but it's it is a fun game. It's definitely still in beta. There are issues, but yeah, we tried to play I, yesterday and it just crashed on us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it just literally cried. We played like three or four matches before you jumped in, and then you jumped in. We played like one, I think, or maybe two, and then it crashed. Two or and, three. Yeah, and then I was just like, nah. If it's crashed on me, like it, it's done. Let's play something else. <laughs> Which then I actually went to play Gunfire. <laughs> well, Good speaking segue. of yeah, speaking of appropriately timed segues, Gunfire Born is out. How have you been enjoying it? Yeah, so obviously I kind of shilled uh, Gunfire while you were talking about Gunfire in in episode one, uh, way back when. Um, and Ooh, they're a finally premiere now... episode. Oh, I know. Spicy Some would say back. the highlight of our careers. <laughs> it does have the most views and listens. <laughs> yeah, statistically it's our best episode so i mean <laughs> true um, buckle up for the downhill <laughs> <laughs> but uh they've now released uh what they're calling version one uh and which is basically just hey we've now finished with the base level of the game it's now coming out of early access uh they've released a whole new stage with a new boss um there's a whole bunch of new weapons a whole bunch of new scrolls and a new character on top of that so uh, touching on it very quickly because I don't want to spend too too long on it. The new stage is very fun. They've made a few changes where you can only get like one skill out of three in the last couple of stages now. The last boss is literally just a DPS check, which is kind of unfortunate. It's It, it kind of kills the vibe a little bit for me. I, I think maybe you have a different impression, Patrick, but I think everything leading up to that was very high-paced dodge, do damage, you know, just keep on top of the core gameplay loop. And this was just do as much damage as you possibly can in this time or you basically lose. So I'm I'm not a massive fan of that, but the entire game as a whole, now that it's released, is still like a 9 out of 10 in, in my eyes. So I highly recommend picking it up while it's on sale. See, I, I can't even really uh I can't even really comment a huge amount because every time that I've played Gunfire Reborn, it's usually been on the back of an invite from you or some of our other Discord friends where what I do uh, is basically irrelevant through the game. <laughs> we get to, you know, we get to 45 minutes. If we win, great. If we don't, oh well. <laughs> but any kind of DPS check is, um, I mean, mechanically, I I'm sort of on the fence. I think it depends on how it's done. But uh, the DPS check in Gunfire Reborn, uh, I think I have to be against just because uh, I <laughs> I have never been able to clear it. <laughs> but I've also never really tried clearing it solo. Uh, have you had a chance to play the new character? I have, yeah. No, he's, he's actually quite fun. He's an actual, like, tank tank, which the game was missing. So he throws up a shield, uh, and then you basically, your your grenades, because you have, like, grenades in this game, which is the secondary skill for every character. His version of this is just punching. And while he has his shield up and he's blocking damage, he can just keep punching enemies, and a whole bunch of things happens while he's punching. Um, when you throw down your shield, like, when you, like, drop your shield, 
uh it'll do damage to everyone in front of you based upon damage you've absorbed which is quite cool as well uh including things like buffing your rate of fire and other bits and pieces like really perks so he's more to be like in the face tanking and supporting the team which yeah the game just didn't really have there was the bird which was uh, gonna leap in and, and do damage and you know i have armor to regen so i can stay in the fight but there was nothing that was supporting per se the team so i think it was a good addition i just think the um the the boss itself at the end it's a it's a little bit of a shame and he's a pangolin of all things as well which is pretty baller it is yeah it's pretty cool I, it took me a while to figure out what it actually was but yeah it's basically a pangolin with like scuba gear on and it's pretty cool yeah that's right the scuba gear yeah, he's got even like though there's scuba glasses. <laughs> yeah, even though there's like, oh, uh, I guess there's there's a little bit of water in the third area, but there isn't exactly a huge amount of water going. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, the third area is mostly water, and then the the fourth area is just snow. So for them to add him with the snow update just seemed a bit weird. But uh, yeah, no, I I think it's still a very 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 good game overall, right? So, what do you have um any closing remarks on it, Patrick? Uh, I would rate the game highly. I've spent quite a lot of time in there. Uh, I am very far below the level and skill of people I play with, which just like life. <laughs> but, um, but no, I'd, I'd recommend people go and check it out. And did, did I hear Steve say that it's on sale currently? It is, but it's only 25% off, so that's not even worth getting out of bed for. Anything oh, less yeah, no. 50% is a waste of money. <laughs> yeah, 25% off, uh, it's not an $80 game. It's an indie game. It's pretty cheap, so... So, solid pickup for the price. I mean, chances are it'll probably go on sale for Boxing Day. Uh, anyway, though, would sure. be my pick or summer sale. Well, or I guess Black winter Friday. sale for people that aren't here. Possibly, I feel like those sales have already gone though. But yeah, no, that's probably all the closing remarks for me. So, what's the reborn part? Is like someone coming back to life? Is it someone play that monster reborn card from Yu-Gi-Oh? No, that card's banned. They can't play it. It's unbanned now, isn't it? No, no, it's banned still. Um, but funny enough, Patrick was saying when we were playing uh, yesterday or the day before, because uh, it was obviously gunfire uh, part of it, he's like, I'm not really doing much of the gunfire part, more just the reborn part, because if someone dies, you can rush over to them and pick them up. So that's, I guess, the, <laughs> the reborn. Uh, but if someone dies enough, you can rush over and they still die. But this yeah. time, when they die in gunfire reborn, they stay dead. Well, they stay dead until you can buy them back at a like a store. There's stores that randomly appear in the maps, and then you can buy them back. Um, as people get downed, they get downed uh, for less and less time, so eventually they time out super quickly. So then yeah. you just can't pick them up. So that's kind of the it's, mechanic. It's like the it. Borderlands mechanic or any other one, where you know someone that keeps like chain dying over and over again, it becomes harder and harder to res them. Which yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, there are ways to like skill back against it. Thanks to some of the. Um, progression and levels that you get within gunfire. It's yeah, cool. one of them in particular, if you pick up an, like an ally, then you lose like some of the death penalty. So if you're all dying sort of even amounts, you can sort of keep picking picking people up and your your time gets less overall as a team, but it, it's manageable. So I ended up dying. So in, in terms of the damage numbers, an average damage number in the game for me is about 40 mil, 50 mil. Uh, I did 270 million in the last game I played earlier today. So I was doing insane amounts of damage, but I went down 40 times. <laughs> so people kept having to keep picking me up. So it was like this glass cannoning. But yeah, no, it's very, very, very cool mechanics and pretty standard for a lot of game things. Just a lot of good mechanics meshed well into one situation in a roguelike game. Just, I don't know, something about that just really hits me right.
Very good. Speaking of other things that have hit you right, shall we move on to Pokemon? I I see you guys later. I'm out for the next hour or so. <laughs> I mean, uh, you played the originals, right? Right, Steph? No, I haven't. You didn't. You I haven't played, played those. I haven't played Gen Four at all. Oh, oh it's the second best gen, oh, man. God. You're missing out. Oh, I'd say the third best gen, but here we are. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, it's got some, it's got some stiff competition with Gen Two, Gen Three, and Gen, Gen, Gen Two Five, Gen 3, baby. <laughs> uh, Gen Two is not very good. Gen Five, however. Gen two not very good, but Gen five. Oh, that's like the polar opposite. Anyway, back to so Shining Diamond. So uh, when are we kicking Steve out again? Yeah. <laughs> if the audience would like Steve to leave, uh, tell us in the comments. <laughs> Please no. I'll be famous one day. I can't go back to selling my feet pics. <laughs> he's he's got to ride this out till he fights Logan Paul. <laughs> <laughs> One round knockout, ten seconds. Logan Paul undefeated. Ah, oh, rats. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds about right. So, in your attempt to uh, to introduce Gen Four again, Stephen, do you want to give another go? <laughs> gen Four best Gen. No, I'm really enjoying it. I love it. It's um, I'm only halfway through. I'll be quite honest with you. Um, and it doesn't really do anything different, but doesn't need to. Like, it's fantastic. I really like it. Uh, I hate the chibi art style. Hundred percent hate it. It was dumb. Don't know why they chose it. And how they, how they zoom in on characters talking, like when you're in the, oh, why would you have a chibi art style and then have the camera zoom in? Ridiculous. <laughs> Let me speak to the CEO of Nintendo. <laughs> I guess while we're on the artwork, I, I, I really don't like it as well. I understand why they did that approach, but it worked well for sprites. It doesn't yeah, why? Well why? why did you say model. you say that you understand why they did that? Why did they do it? Because I I've been struggling to figure out why they did it this way. So what they said was that they wanted to keep it true to the original art style. So I think they took it too literally, as in this is the shape that they were, <laughs> and here's how we're translating that into 3D to make them look like Nendroids or Fisher Price toys. <laughs> I like it. Did then again, like I also it? like World of Final Fantasy, and they have a very similar chibi style to them. See, I didn't like World of Final Fantasy either, but I don't, mi I don't mind the chibi art style in a lot of things, but this just looks so unbelievably plastic and fake. And, you know, there was edits going around as early as, like, two days after the trailer dropped where they showed the art style with just thick black borders around things, just to make them look a bit more, like, soul-shaded and stuff. And that, looked, that was an immediately a million times better. Yeah, yeah there's, there's definitely ways they could have improved this, but I I think on like a general basis of the chippy style, I I don't mind it. It, it I I still enjoyed that part a little bit, but they could have definitely made it look a lot better. Yeah, I the the game definitely looks cheap. It does, and well, you say that right, but I don't know if um have you got to the point where you've got surf yet, Stephen? No, but I, I've seen a couple of videos from it, and even like walking past areas that do have um like water it seems like just turned rtx on and is hope for the best it it looks good i like yeah, it, it does it, it it does like and the reflections in the water as well are like fantastic as well yeah. like i've um so i guess for context i've i, I beat the game in like a day um because i have no self-control um so I, I i smashed out the game uh i've i'm in the post game well into the into the future i've seen all the areas of the map the the part with the box art legendary fight looks great um, there's certain forest areas that look amazing. The water looks really good. And then it's just all wrapped up underneath this really chibi art style for every character in the game, undertoned by like really flat grass textures and battle scenes that 
just it, it, it you can tell where they've put their attention and it i think it was in the wrong places personally so it's interesting you bring up um on the battle scenes can you, can you expand on that because I've, i have something to say about that i just want to see if we're on the same page with it so some of the battle scenes in general so when i say battle scenes i mean you enter like a, a fight um or you enter a pokemon fight for anyone that wouldn't be familiar with what i'm talking about and you get the background of the fight some of them look very 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 good like the ones on the water look good the ones in certain forest areas like i was saying look look really good as well but then you get to like a generic grass one or a generic sort of trainer one um and it just looks flat and just very dull there's there's not much happening like they could have done some kind of like 3d models on some grass or anything and instead it just looks like they took like something green and then added like a few like clovers and stuff and then flattened that to a 2d image and threw it in the background i am uh, i'm just i'm not a fan of it what was your impressions so, of it patrick yeah i mean um broadly the same i haven't experienced as much of the game uh as as either of you guys yet i'm as i set up to a ton of forest which is like i don't know i'm sure i'm coming up on the second gym badge soon but what I wanted to, what, what, what I noticed, um, super minor thing, but I thought it was quite a cool attention to detail. One of my big complaints from Sword and Shield is that quite a lot of the battle scenes were just blank. Like you would get into a battle, particularly indoors, and you would just fight in the void or wherever Harry Potter went, um, you know, with Dumbledore when he was dead. Um, you would just fight in, in this white expanse and it didn't feel personable at all. Um, what was really interesting with playing uh, Brilliant Diamond, is that the trainer school uh, is, I think, the first internal battle that you have. And it's actually a sensical battle scene, which struck me just because the chances of it being re like, it, it felt so in place within the trainer school that my assumption is, because I haven't actually had uh, uh, many interior battles since, uh, is that they actually took the detail, they, they, they took care to make the interior battle scenes um, unique or memorable rather than just sticking you in the void like Sword and Shield did. Uh, it was just a minor detail that I, I was actually quite a big fan of. I, I definitely did notice that as well. So there's, as you were saying, that, that part, um, anyone familiar with the original games, you fight your rival Barry or whatever you called him um, at the very end just before the Pokemon League inside that area with the Pokemon Center and everything. Uh, that's done really well as well. The the box art has its own battle scene. There's a whole bunch of things that are done really, really, really well. So my biggest complaint is just why did they not do the basic ones like grass ones? Why did they just leave? Yeah, that no, that's just... yeah, and and that's entirely valid. Um, speaking of rivals, quick rival check. What do we name our rivals? Uh, Steve, you first. Uh, Damien, because that's what he was called in my original one 15 years ago. All right, so you went for the nostalgia hit. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Josh. Uh, I called him Barry because. That's his his name in, in the game. <laughs> That's canon. It's canon, yeah. <laughs> What's yours, Patrick? Uh, I went with the Legend Twenty Seven. Ah, oh, I didn't know what that was until you linked me that video, either, Patrick. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> but he never wins, though. It's not. So, it doesn't matter. Well, that. Uh, yeah, I didn't actually think about it at the time. It just it just seemed funny, and it's it's great just seeing. There's something, there's something that's just inherently funny to me about seeing, like, gamer tags just put in place of people's names in everyday speech. Like, when his mum's running around, like, have you seen The Legend 27? <laughs> yeah, that's that quite good, though. <laughs> it's, it's just very funny to me. <laughs> so the real question is, what did you name your own character? Did you do the self-insert like what I did? What do you mean? Like, I called my character Steven. Like, he's... Hey, oh, Steven, no way, I also called my character Steven. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no. 
because he always loses. No, I'm kidding. No, I call uh, him Patrick. I, I must be the only one that actually entered, uh, I guess, my gamer tag because I used Zadari in there. So I didn't actually ah. put in Josh. So, yeah. There you go. Look at us. We're having differences. More importantly, though, we've all played Gen 2, I'm sure. What do we call the rival for Gen 2? Question mark, question mark, question mark to hey. Chad Choice. <laughs> that's pretty good actually i like that <laughs> it's, it's because when you after your first fight with him he goes uh, my name is and it does three question marks and it was my first pokemon game so when i go to the police officer later and it's like oh what was his name i just put in the three question marks because yeah, i didn't you just realize thought, you, 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 name. you thought it was a math test <laughs> i yeah. legitimately did that and i think we've, we've i mean i know Seth and i've had multiple discussions about this going like you know, we were playing through the game being like, I wonder when we find out his name. <laughs> the entire game, even after beating him at Victory Road. It's like, when, I, when am I going to learn this fucker's Must name? Post-game story. <laughs> if, you say, if, 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 you find that his, if you find out his real name and say it three times, uh, it's like Rumpelstiltskin, I've heard. Isn't that Bloody Mary? <laughs> give me anything. I mean, if you want to die, sure. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin, Rumpel I think, just has to give you a shit ton of money, but... But for your firstborn child that he's going to eat. Oh, you know, fair yeah. no, I, I knew there was fine print in there somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think very, very, very good game so far overall. Um, I'm When I had a look today when I saved, it was like 40 hours. So I'm 40 hours in. Not far uh, I know I played too Jeez, much I think I'm it. like four. <laughs> I, Maybe. I like my Pokemon games. I mean, I've started like EV training to do battle towers and stuff. So, you know, I, I'm well and truly done with the game. But I think overall, it was a very good experience. I experienced very little bugs, despite what a lot of people are saying on the internet. You know, I don't think they're as commonplace as, as what people are referring that they are. But um, no, very, very solid game. I would say very faithful to, to the uh, originals as well. I just wish they went a little bit further with the convenience uh, at, at like sections that they added. Like the no HMs is great, um, but... Why did they make single-use TMs, you know? I was just, like, yeah, that, that has been bothering me incredibly. I don't know why, because I think this is the first game, this is the first Pokemon game in a while that's reverted back to single-use TMs, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I quite enjoy the single-use TMs. It, for, it adds a layer of difficulty, even though the XP shares are always turned on and you're always 10 levels above anyway. Because it, it's not like the, oh, look, I've got the like a Thunderbolt team, I was going to teach that to before I hit the water gym, or I've got Flamethrower, I'm going to teach that to all my Pokemon before I hit the Wrath gym. Sort of does sort of change it a bit, but they've done it in a very interesting way because like usually when you beat a gym leader and they give you a TM, they'll give you like three or four TMs. Like it's common to get more than the one TM, so you don't feel like if you use it, it's gone forever type of thing, which I think is like a really interesting thing to do. Like they've sort of... They admit that it is a problem, but they've offset it by giving you, like, multiple. But they didn't offset it well. Like, what I really wanted out of this um, was, you know, you can make it as faithful as you like, keep the single-use DMs, but when it comes to post-game, and I'm 300 hours in, uh, and I'm like, cool, I'm trying to breed a Pokemon with this very particular move, or teach this particular move, and I can't because I used the TM on a Pokemon 200 hours ago, and it happens to be the only one of that TM in the entire game. It's like really <laughs> yeah because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's such a regressive mechanic because like the 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 two sides of it right is that you have the the tryhards like spinning up all the all the like egg tables and evs and ivies and everything like which i i'm fully in that camp i've done that pretty much every pokemon game i've played since i figured out 
you know what was actually happening but uh it screws people like me over because uh i don't like having a gap in a tm list because i think that i'm missing one and i need to go and find it which means that i basically got a count of two or you know the number of tms i get minus one as the number of things i can teach uh, i can teach to which across you know however many eggs or pokemon i breed is some tiny like it's like a meaningless difficulty spike and then on the mm-hmm. other side you've got uh i guess the the wanting to remain faithful to single player game uh, to to the older generation games where they're only one use and then you get to like department stores where you know you can buy them or or uh, acquire multiple of the same one but i don't think that the casual people will be in that boat either because if they go and use them all they're in the same boat as the rest of us anyway like i don't know i don't know why so i i didn't understand why single use tms are a thing i understand even less why they are now just three it seems like the it seems like it's such a regressive mechanic that just giving you two extra doesn't address it at all which is weird because they've done so many other things to make it more accessible and to make it a a game that has kind of quality of life bonuses like i don't like that xp share is turned on all the time but i understand why it is um i don't like that well actually i don't mind that hms no longer require you to teach them to a pokemon that is only there to use hms so clearly they know that some of these mechanics deserve to be continued through even into remakes i just i don't understand why they decided to draw the line at tms yeah no it's uh, really weird because like just listening to it this is really odd because the point of the remakes is to make the older generation games with the quality of life improvements from later down the line. Exactly. So you'd, yeah, you'd expect that TM requirement to be gone. Like, one of the biggest praises Gen 5 got was removing it, uh, the TM usage and just making them infinite use. One of the things I want to mention on this while we're on the TM discussion is that it, they've done a half job with it, not only in the, the reason that they give you more TMs, but you can now purchase a whole bunch of TMs at the, the battle battle tower uh, with your battle points, which is an extremely grindy way to do it, but it exists, at least it exists. Uh, and then most of the other TMs in the game can actually be farmed in the underground section. So if, if there's a way to get them semi-infinitely by doing the underground or by doing the, the battle tower, you haven't actually changed anything whatsoever. So why not just make it so that they're flat and just available it's they've done such a really like three quarters of the job there but some so like it's like someone said i don't want to do this and just sort of like put their foot down and they went oh we'll do everything we can to to make it almost that way which is just bizarre <laughs> yeah yeah well on that point do we want to talk about how great the underground is and how much of a time sink we're all putting into it holy shit <laughs> it's so good I'm, I'm not up to it yet but everything that i've heard suggests oh. that that's going to be a big time sink of mine oh, oh boy I'll- Holy shit, I lost so much time to it as a kid, and I'm losing so much time to it that, now. That, that's out. what I was going to say, too. Like, cause I, I never owned one, a Gen 4 game. I played my brother's one. Uh, I played Platinum a, a fair amount, which is funny, because I actually remember very little of the story, which is good, because I'm you know, actually re-experiencing Gen 4 as I'm supposed to at this point. But I, I, all I remember from Gen 4, there was the underground. I really liked the underground, and... The underground is back, <laughs> and I'm all about it. <laughs> well, while we're talking about the underground, so I guess we should start with the changes that they've made to the underground. Um, it it is very much still, hey, you know, there's gleaming spots on the wall, go dig them up, and you can get a whole bunch of various things. 
in the original you basically got shards evolution stones um and the spheres and stuff that you could trade for things um i think you could get heart scales out of there as well in the original uh in this game they've made it so that you can dig up these other things which you're going to get addicted to patrick because i know you um basically you dig up these little statue boxes um and these statue boxes will basically you put them in your secret base in the underground and they change what pokemon spawn so if you put down rock pokemon you'll spawn oh, more no. rock pokemon in the underground <laughs> they've also added uh big sort of like quote unquote wild areas that are like a top down sort of view that spawn particular pokemon that as you're running around the underground rather than just being one big massive tunnels it's now with various rooms of like sort of mystery dungeon-esque where you walk in and there's a bunch of Pokemon in there that you can fight, capture, whatever. Walking out of those rooms will respawn all of the glimmery spots on the walls for that area, for that route, if you will. And walking back in will respawn the Pokemon. Um, so there's like ways to, to farm shinies in there and other bits and pieces. They've also added um, Diglets and Doug Trios that are around the map that if you're playing online or even offline, but it takes forever offline by yourself. Um, you can run around and collect them, and once you hit 40 uh, total for that session, you get four minutes of increased shiny chance, so it's doubled, I believe, down to 2,000, roughly. Um, and you also get way more rare materials in the walls. <laughs> I hate how much I'm enjoying listening to this oh, right it's, now. It's so yeah, it's addictive. fantastic. It's so good. Because so, one, one thing that has come up is that they, um, I think, think, because Gen 4 was a while ago for me, that the first big city that you're in, uh, they try and sell you on GTS being a thing, right? Because that was the first sort of internet connectivity in a Pokemon game, I think, back in the originals. And of course, in this one, they're trying to sell you on which Facebook group do you want to join. Um, are the, is the group mechanic actually used in things like the Underground? Like, if we all formed and joined each other's group now, would we all be able to experience that um, uh, those mechanics together? Or is it still a very kind of superficial attachment and you're still doing things by yourself i think it was a superficial attachment in the original one it was very much like a, oh look i'm part of group of dad boys or something and it does, and it, group you are what you eat therefore i'm a tank yeah um but i i can't remember what it did i remember i'd always i have a vivid memory of me being like like 11 or 12 when it came out and reading harry potter at the time and calling my group the potters so when it came time to be like, oh, hey, what group are you in? And I had that flashback. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm just <laughs> not going to join a group. Um, I think it's just in name only. Correct me if I'm wrong, Josh. I'm not sure if you've joined one. So I have. Um, I, my, my housemate joined the same group I did. So actually by accident. So me, us being cringes we are, we just put uwu. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I do the same just like Halo. To- yeah, I just need to vote to kick Josh from the show for next week. Yeah, I know, right? Poll down below. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, choose a group. And I just put like, ooh, like, I'm never going to use this. Um, but it, yeah, it, it does work. So when you go underground, you get the three options. You get go by, go alone, go with your group. Oh, sorry, there's four options. Go alone, go with your group, go by link code. So you can enter like a link code if you're trying to join like a streamer or whatever, or a friend sets up a link code and isn't in your group. Um, and then just play on the internet with randoms. Um, so it, it does work. It's it's cool. Um, I don't think it's anywhere near as useful as just jumping on the internet and being with, you know, 30 people collecting these diglets and whatnot. But if you mm. had a group of a, a large number of friends or you had, like, um, I don't know, like, a, a big, like, shiny hunting session and you all joined a shiny hunting group that was always online, you could do it that way. But I, um, I, I don't think it needs a lot of use. It's mostly superficial. 
but it's cool that it's there. Uh, I know that they um, used the wild area, and I don't know if it went to the, the raids and um, the, the ice DLC for Sword and Shield, but uh, do you see the underground being something that could be continually updated or made fresh in some way? I don't think so. Um, basically, so, sort of what, what they did post-game to make some changes is that um, they open up some, some more things that you can find and you find things like rarer things more often. So as you grind them out, it's not such a grind. So you get like more evolution stones, uh, more of the, the boxes and everything, as well as the, the Pokemon areas open up to the national decks, including all the previous starters up until Gen 4. Um, so I've been hunting various Pokemon in there and I've now got like all the starters and everything. Um, but there's not really anything more that they could add to it, I don't think. Like, I think it's very much going to be, we're just going to leave this alone. This is the remake. Here's what you get. The one thing that they did add, which is quite cool, um, is Ramanus Park is basically an area where there's a whole bunch of sort of like caves that you go into in post-game, and there's various legendaries in there. Uh, well, there's a room for the legendaries. And as you're digging things up in the underground, you get mysterious shards and mysterious um, spheres in the post-game, only once you've got the national decks. Um, once you're digging them up, if you get a certain amount of them, you can take them to Ramanus Park and say, hey, I want to trade this in for a, a, like a slate. And you put this slate into the cave and it summons the Pokemon and you go straight into the battle. So, it's, so it sounds like it's kind of like the Ice DLC raids that you yeah. do. Because that, that was the one thing that I, I have the DLC. I just don't have the effort and intention of going and playing the DLC to get to the fun multiplayer raids. But the multiplayer raids sounded like an absolute high point of sword and shield is there a sim it sounds like this might be like a similar kind of thing in the gen 4 remakes it's it's similar in the way that you, it gives you access to the legendaries but nothing else you still you go into a one-on-one -on -one, like the very first ones you have to do are the reggies um you you do the reggies um it's literally just a, a pokemon battle like you just go at the reggies as if you discovered them any other way in like gen 3 so um, when even on that though, so you you say that you discover the Regis, is this including the ones that came out after Gen Four? No, just the ones in Gen Three. So obviously Regiseal, Regie Rock, and Regie Ice. If there are the other Regis, they might be in one of the caves that I haven't got to yet because you have to unlock them in order. So the first one's Discovery, and they're the Regis, and then it, it, the ones I haven't done yet, but there were the next ones on the list were Johto, and something else. So I'm assuming like Raikou and everything are going to be in there, and then well uh, what. But whatever the other Pokemon were, but we're going to be in the, the next cave that I'd need to unlock. And then after that, I'll unlock the, the more caves around that one, etc. I think there, um, there are various locks on the legendaries, though, from what I understand. I think, um, I think only Diamond gets the Johto legendaries, and I think yeah, Pearl I was going to um, say that. Bird. Yeah, there's like a split between the birds and dogs. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think, so. yeah. I think there's a couple more splits as well. They're definitely sort of gated the legendary thing again like they usually do with these type of things so i remember what one of one of the fonder memories i have from platinum was seeking out and getting heatran obviously it's not i mean uh, it'd be pretty close to or in post game but it's not a national dex thing heatran was introduced in gen 4 and actually Reg reggie gigas was as well now that i think about it as a as mm -hmm. a gen 4 reggie but uh is there like a distinction between um post game legendaries for uh, Gen 4, or is it kind of like all post-game and national decks is where you just get the, the, the horde of legendaries? So, there is... I haven't got Heatrain yet, but one of the, the, the post-game stories you do, and not to give too much away, is basically to go get a Molten Core, 
which I imagine will be for Heatran. I haven't finished <laughs> Boy, that. Boy, can't imagine what that's for. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but basically, yeah, there is still stuff that is in the game. I haven't seen anything about Regigigas, but um, that people have discovered, obviously, that Shaman will be coming in an event in the future because they've found a bug in order to get to the Shaman. So I think there will be events and other bits and pieces, just like they did for Gen 4 and, you know, um, more Oris sort of internet distributions and stuff like that. But I don't think they're going to update the game or anything with uh, with anything new. I think what's in the game is going to be what's in the game. That and speaking of speaking of Oras, one of my favorite Oras. So, <laughs> spoiler, Oras, my favorite game. I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed to say it. It was a perfect game in my eyes. Um, but these the scanner system, the the Pokemon scanner, and especially once you uncovered the national decks, and then like every route just became more populated with other Pokemon you could go and catch from, from other generations. Now I. I loved that. Please tell me there's a mechanic like that in in uh, the Gen Four remix that I have that I just haven't found yet. Well, we should probably start off by saying that it only has up to the end of Gen Four Pokédex, like it doesn't go up to the Gen Five or Gen Six. It does include fairy types, it's a different typing, um, but it's, it's and it's pretty hard to see, especially with like like Eevee gets a new evolution Gen Six, Sylveon. That doesn't exist in this game. It's a hard cross off at the end of the Gen 4 decks. So it is only it's, the four that, generations. That's, that's such a weird distinction, because it's like, you know, someone that hasn't played anything except the previous Gen 4, they're like, oh man, I remember this game. And then they'll find that, you know, you can no longer outrage fairy types and things. <laughs> like, this this is different to my childhood. <laughs> yeah, so they definitely included, like, fairy types as a way to, like, sort of change the meta. And it sort of is a bit weird, and I'm not really sure how the balance goes. Maybe it, yeah, I think the battle tower it changes. Or if they do competitive, it goes a bit different. But, do they have the new moves? So yeah, they everything has the new learn sets, the new abilities, etc. of the current Pokemon. They just don't have new evolutions. That just seems like, again, that just seems like uh, <laughs> it yeah, seems like just giving people three TMs instead of infinite. It's like well, why? Yeah, it's, <laughs> why it's have definitely you done a this? half step, and maybe it's tangentially related to like the balance or something. If you include like all eight generations of Pokemon in like one game, it makes it like. No, it's too many Pokemon. We can't do anything. But Auras did it pretty good. God, God forbid someone actually went uh, wants to go and catch them all. No, you have to it's have multiple different consoles and multiple different games in order to do that, Patrick. <laughs> as well as Pokemon Bank and Pokemon Home subscriptions. You 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 mean one console with one game and a flag? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Um, but yeah, they obviously updated, like I was saying, all the movesets, all the abilities and everything, and then left the other Pokemon out. I think it's a good thing. What I, The reason why I think they left the other Pokemon out is because, for some reason, for, for better or worse, they really want competitive to stay in Sword and Shield, <laughs> and they don't want to move anything over to, uh, to BDSP, uh, to the point where Pokemon Home is not currently available until sometime next year. So knowing N Nintendo, probably see it December next year. Um, just like Pokemon Home was. Um, but it's, uh, I, I don't know, I think, especially post-game-wise, I think it needed a bit more in, in flavor of the, uh, the competitive scene as well, because while they've changed a lot of the abilities and everything, and then, as I was saying, got rid of the TMs, there's no way to reset EVs except for the berries, like in Gen 4 either. Um, it's, it's just a whole bunch of, I don't know, just lackluster things like you can't just weird decision making yeah very weird decision making things that seem anti anti-consumer almost to the people that actually want to get to these end games even if like say for example 
they wanted to move the Gen 4 Pokemon into Sword and Shield when Pokemon Home releases. Maybe they do that with DLC, maybe they don't. You wouldn't be able to do your Pokemon in, in Gen 4 currently very easily at all and then move them to Sword and Shield for competitive use if that's what you know sparks your interest or even just to do the battle tower. Like it's very hard to get bottle cap, for example. It, the hyper training does exist, but the bottle caps are very, very, very expensive for BP. Um, and you can only get them with a level 90 plus Pokemon with pickup, I think, is the easiest way to get them. Hmm. Um, and it's just it's just crazy. Like, yeah, you know, if you're actually trying to build a team to do the post game that exists in this game, they really handicap you. <laughs> There's uh even like almost IV like we need a shortcutting really battle pass to, to help get us there. Alright, that's it, big fella. You've been warned. Maybe they'll do like a platinum DLC that fixes all of this stuff. I I, I, know, I would like. Yeah, it. the the internet's been asking like, or been trying to decipher whether or not there would be platinum DLC coming because it seems it's it's weird in that uh, when Oris came out, everyone's like, you know, we really want we really want emerald, and they said we want to emerald. We'll do like a, a Delta emerald episode as like post game, like a post game packet story, and that did well enough. But it seems like the consensus for Gen 4, because I actually never played Diamond or Pearl, I only played Platinum, so it'd be interesting how much of that I remember playing this. But it seems like the internet is very set that Platinum was the only way to experience Sinnoh, and that Pearl and Diamond were just lesser games compared to Platinum. So do you know if they have any, like, not, like, I, I take it because you're already in post-game, there's no, like, Platinum story or, like, a Platinum packet like there was the... the Delta episode, but do you think that Platinum actually could be involved uh, coming back? I, so I think personally, I think it probably won't because Nintendo has a habit, or Game Freak has a habit of this is a remake, you get what you're given, look forward to the next release, especially when a lot of their attention is focused on Legends Arceus. To be so fair, this isn't a Game Freak be. game though. It's not, but it's still produced by Game Freak. Um, there's still right, game but, um, people being like well involved with the story and direction of the game. Ilka's kind of just putting it together. So yeah, I just imagine that the reason they pushed it off to Ilka was so that um, for problems like this, they don't have to worry about doing it themselves. They can just defer it back to Ilka while they continue to work on Legends Arceus. Yeah, I don't think it's a resourcing problem. I don't think it ever has been though. I think it's just the mindset of. People want the remake. We'll give it to them so they're happy. Yeah, we will give this them. This is not our interest, right? <laughs> they will get what they fucking deserve. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think they've ever... I think it is a resource problem because Game Freak is very adamant about staying a small company, like, in terms of manpower. And with the size of the Pokemon IP in general, they've got to pump out new games every two years so they don't have the luxury to go back and fix any problems that, uh, that pop up. Yeah, I just I just don't think it's in their interest because it's not going to serve as a competitive VGC platform. They've already said that adamantly. Um, like, w what else is there really to do except for to give the fans what they want, which, to be honest, they've never done. So, <laughs> like, mm. why? Like, I don't I don't see them doing it. I I would love for that. I would buy a platinum DLC. I absolutely would. I very much am on the fence of. I love Diamond and Pearl because I played them as a kid. But when I played Platinum, I was like, this is what the game should be. And that's what I did with Emerald as well. So I would love it. I would I'm still annoyed that there's no Oris DLC or, or patch to bring yeah, Emerald. I, I was just about to start crying at the thought of that. Yeah. yeah. Battle Frontier Oris DLC, where you at? Instead we got Mario Run. 
that Battle Frontier uh, tease at the end of RS was real bad. It's still oh. being built, don't worry. Yeah, it's <laughs> coming. It's coming. I feel like you said this every week, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I think I would love for it to be there. I just don't think it's going to be there. And I think mm. the only way it will be there is if Legends RCS becomes just like the new kicking dog of the rest of the internet that like that like Pokemon because they never get what they never like what they actually get in the end. So if this is sold really, really well, if Arceus gets horrible criticism and people say we don't want Pokemon to be this. I think they will go back and throw DLC to this, but I don't think it's going to happen because Arceus is seemingly what a lot of people want. It's not what I want, but it's what a lot of people seem to want. So I think it really depends on how well that does in January, February. God, I can't wait for Legends Arceus. Obviously, a lot like you know, us here in our you know mid to mid to late twenties or you know mid to late forties, as 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 the case may be, um, we've there's a decent chance that we've already played the Gen 4, like, original Gen 4. I wonder what the impressions of someone, you know, some 12, 13-year-old kid like we were, that this is their first taste of Gen 4. I wonder what they'd be thinking, because they don't have the basis of even knowing that Platinum uh, is some kind of definitive addition to Sinnoh. Kids these days are getting a lesser Pokemon experience than we ever got. <laughs> I would argue the opposite, actually. I, I think that Diamond and Pearl were amazing games for their time, but I think the remake is a better game than what the original games ever were. Even with the exception of Platinum. With, with the are exception we, of Platinum, yeah. Are we going to say what everyone's thinking? Is it better than Sword and Shield? I would argue no. Explain. Okay, you've convinced me never to buy this. <laughs> so... The reason I say no is that one Sword and Shield isn't finished its arc, right? It, it, there's still more stuff coming for this because they want to use it as a competitive platform. So either that's going to be bringing the Gen 4 Pokemon in or just maintaining it with new events. I think that this game will very much be a, here it is, we're done, ship it out, leave it. Kind of um, like a Let's Go type uh, release? Yeah, or even the same as Oris. Like, there was no real updates. Um, so. Yeah, there was. Boris had a lot, though. <laughs> it did, but like, yeah, you know, all of their remakes that they've done has been this way. Sword and Shield's really been the only. We're gonna keep maintaining this game, and I really, I do really like that. I think Sword and Shield as, as a Pokemon game for a main story, was by far worse than this current game. But the competitive scene, the Dynamax abilities, being able to like reset Pokemon and breed them really, really, really well. So just like as a gaming package. You as mean. a gaming package, I think that it has so much more to offer to someone that plays a lot of Pokemon. If you're, yeah, if you're the type I'd of person agree. that picks up the Pokemon game and say, cool, I've played it, I've beat the Elite Four, I've done the, what exists as a post-game story, and I'm done with the game, the Diamond and Pearl remakes are going to be a better game for you. But if you're the type of person that will play it for 100 hours, 200 hours, to do battle towers, to do any vaguely competitive or online matches, or even just to sort of dig into the world as a whole, like, I think the Dynamax adventure has much more replayability than something like the Underground. As much as I'm loving the Underground now, grinding mm. that out to get TMs later will just feel like a chore. So I think that, I think Sword and Shield is the better game for me, but I don't think it's a better game for everyone. See, that, that review, like, I, I agree with 
99% of, which annoys me because that almost makes me want to go and just play the, the Isle of Armor and um, I am just still not remembering the winter one, but just the, the DLC for Sword and Shield. Thank yeah. you, Crown Tundra. I, I, I replayed the uh, Sword and the DLC sort of to get hype for this. Um, the DLC are very lacking. There's like a bunch semi-fetch quests and there's like zero battling. It's quite disappointing and it's sort of like... It's it's only the expect. raids that I'm holding out for. Like I, yeah. I enjoyed watching like content creators just with a bunch of mates playing through the raids. The raids good. are fun, but that's just like one aspect of the DLC. And I, I honestly, I was like very burned from it. Like it's if they go down the DLC route and they do bring out like sort of a platinum upgrade and they do the distortion, the battle frontier on that. I'd sort of want them to sort of give us that and maybe a. a just a extra story plus extra battles and extra things to do. Don't just give us sort of an extra area to catch Pokemon and that's it. This sort of got to be a bit more. Um, but yeah, I think I do agree with most of what you're saying, Josh. Like, the story and the animation is better in the Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. But real, like real talk, though. Ongoing, though, it is sort of better. Would the Distortion World in Platinum DLC just be like normal proportions? <laughs> Yes. I, 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 I hate that. Um. <laughs> Come to the distortion world. People look normal. <laughs> I mean, obviously, in the original game, you were quote unquote chibi as the sprite style, so it'll probably won't be. But I, yeah, that. So that's the other thing. I, I don't actually know whether I'm in favor of it or not. I'm, I'm sort of just like I, I've noticed it, but I don't know if I've noticed it for good or bad reasons. In that. It's a very chibi art style. We've already discussed it. that. I'm not going to read. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> I'm not going to. We're not going to rehash what has already been said on that. But it, I've I've noticed it a lot. Every time we enter a battle, where it goes from chibi in the overworld to like normal proportion. Um, I don't even know what you call them. There's obviously it's like a homage to the Gen Four, uh, like trainer sprites when you actually play it. But just the difference in proportions of that, I noticed much more than ever when it was sprite to to um like in in older games basically yeah it's like, unrealistic it's unrealistically jarring like it's it's yeah i i don't know because they try it's, to it's, exist it's, in both worlds and yeah i i, I do don't neither. know which side i come down on like i don't know whether i actually don't like it or if it's just because i'm noticing it and i'm not sure how to feel about it but i have noticed it <laughs> i will say the most the most brilliant thing of what they've done is when you enter a trainer battle, the trainer will be in the position of what the sprite was. Yeah, in yeah and Pearl, I love that. And they'll animate. Yeah. Mwah, chef's kiss, there you are. Bang, there's your game. Fantastic. We need to talk oh, about fantastic. the animation quality themselves on those Pokemon trainers because I don't know if you guys noticed, but if you battle like a fisherman or something, he will fling his rod around and that Pokeball will come with him and he will launch a Pokeball out. Or yeah, if he's yeah. a waiter, yeah. he'll fall over and drop Pokeballs on the stage to release two Pokemon for the double yeah. battle or whatever. Oh, yeah. some of those animations are so good. And even yeah. on the chibi side of things, right? If you're talking and you're talking to like Cynthia or something, there's actually expressions on trainers' faces, which doesn't really happen in a lot yeah. of Pokemon games. That's an excellent point, actually. Yeah. I never even thought of that. You don't really get the expressiveness in, well, you get the very, very overt, like, my eyebrows are furrowed. I am in, you know, one of three different expressions right now. But yeah, no, that's a good point. The one that really stuck out to me that, that made me actually laugh out loud, and my housemate was watching me play because I was playing on the TV as well at the same time, and she laughed as well, was that 
basically when you verse the box legendary and you get this look of shock as well as the two um i forget what they're called but like basically the admins of um team galactic and they might even be called admins but um what you all do like this little shocked face and look up and it's like this chibi head with a tiny little shocked face and it's like oh whoa and it really just sort of drove home to me how ridiculous it was but at the same time i appreciated that there was like emotion and actually at least they took a little bit of care with what they were trying to do. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I could go either way on it. Mm. Uh, I think we've sort of come towards the end of you know, throwing things out there. The one one final thing I want to pick the group's brains uh, about before we give uh, overall thoughts, uh, give final thoughts, rather. Um, one of my favorite moments, just because you mentioned it was a favorite moment, Josh, in X and Y, is that this sort of harkens back to me noticing the battle scenes especially is that there was a battle scene on a bridge and it was actually animated as a battle scene on a bridge and it's also around the time that uh you get i think it was garbite or not it might have been gacho i actually don't remember when it was relative to the x and y storyline but uh it was when the pokemon learned dig and it was it was just monumentally funny to me playing through x and y that you could get your garbite garchomp whatever to dig when you're on a scene that's clearly on a bridge, and just the implication that you dig through the bridge and presumably fall to your death, but of course in Pokemon it's absolutely fine. Are there, uh, have, have you have you guys either noticed or had any moments like that of just kind of I will remember this for good or bad for for a while? Uh, when you're sort of fighting near water, it looks like the the Pokemon like the reflections are like really good, so it looks like there's like you're fighting on water, but there's no like splashing, so it sort of just looks like you're hovering there like Jesus. <laughs> I I know it's the same thing, and actually, when you say the reflection, yeah, like you you dead set see the underside of the Pokemon and everything, like it looks very good. They did a very good job on the water, um, mm. but yeah, I haven't really noticed too much other than like the the weird emotion faces or just um some battle scenes that are particularly odd. I think the battle tower one is very good, which you, you'll see when you get to. Um, but I think uh, obviously noticing like what you said where there's things inside buildings, which is going to be a one-off fight, and you're never going to see that scene again. But the, them having that scene in there is a really nice touch, and I appreciated it. So I remember a lot of those fights. But mm. um, yeah, no, otherwise, not, not too much. Cool. So the final tangential point to that, then, is that have you guys seen any Pokemon animations where they do a move that's completely nonsensical from their attack animation? Not to my memory, actually. Because I saw a um wuzzle doing a i think it was water gun on me just uh, outside yeah. the, the windworks and it like it jumps back and then spins its tail at you and then that's its water gun animation and i couldn't help but just <laughs> i couldn't help but give a give a cheeky wee laugh at that <laughs> yeah that's this bro <laughs> yeah there's a lot of them that are odd like because i use a togekiss in my team that are just odd like flamethrower coming from nowhere between its wings and stuff that'll happen um, that just happened in, in Sword and Shield, so I guess I just kind of write them off as the usual. But yeah, yeah there's a few of them actually yeah, thinking about every, it. Every Pokemon has like three or four animations they do and um, for certain types of attacks, and then it's just an effects placed over it. So mm. if you're in your Pokemon Select screen and you click in the I think it's the left stick, it does its special animation. If you click in the right stick, it does its physical animation. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that either. Pretty nice. Cool. So, Steve, out of 10, what would you give it? haven't finished it yet, but I reckon it's a 9. Yeah, you probably played as far as half the reviewers that, that looked at it, but 9. Big big numbers. What about you, Josh? 
Uh, as a Pokemon game, I would I would give it a nine. As an overall game, I would give it a seven. That is a weird metric. <laughs> it is a weird metric, but Pokemon games are not high standard to me. <laughs> so uh, overall, yeah, like like po- Pokemon game is it's a it's a nine out of ten, I think. And yeah, yeah, standard game, it's a seven. I see the good old Nintendo bonus. Yeah, Nintendo well, tax. it's not even Nintendo tax. It's just I expected so little that I'm happy with what I got. <laughs> wow. Um. Yeah, I would probably I'd probably rest at about a seven as well. Because I'm. Bro, yeah, you played it's... it. <laughs> what I have played, I've enjoyed, but also what I have played, I haven't enjoyed as much as other Pokemon games. And I think in my heart, I'm comparing it to the ten out of ten that was Auras. So. Uh, Seven point nine out of ten. Too much water, you say? Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> I'll never not be angry about that. No, me. Too. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, Pokemon Blinding Diamond and Shining Pearl out now. Uh, in a <laughs> in a Nintendo store near you. <laughs> Just get it online. <laughs> um, uh, emulate cool. it I, if you feel like it. Yeah, emulate <laughs> it. <laughs> People were emulating it before it was even properly released. So, I mean, you got plenty to, to seek and you shall find online. And with that, that brings us to the end of the gaming discussion for this week. Uh, time to move on to the news. Seth, you've been a bit quiet this episode. You are the king of fighters with what you brought to us at the start of the episode. But I also hear that you have some king of fighters news to discuss with us. Yeah, so um, I've been quiet most of this episode, so for the next 10 or so minutes, I am not going to shut the fuck up about fighting games. Uh, to kick us off, uh, King, of, uh, King of Fighters 15 just revealed that Angel is going to be in the game. Uh, I had a friend that thought she wasn't going to be in because the team that she's usually with replaced her. So uh, it's good to see her in. And um, uh, for anyone that doesn't know about Angel, she is a... Um, uh, she is a character that is very heavily inspired by The Rock in her moveset. But there is also a very funny story behind her uh, in, uh, her creation, if anyone would like to hear that. Oh, yeah, go on. We have to okay. hear uh, <laughs> You've given us the teaser, just tell us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there, there was this development studio called Evoga that was doing a Double Dragon game. And uh, they were really into King of Fighters when SNK was coming to visit them because... Uh, they're in Mexico, and Mexico loves King of Fighters, so that checks out. Um, so they played against a couple of the SNK people there, but uh, they absolutely floored the SNK developers, and they got super salty. They were like, "Oh, the, the, these aren't even our best players. We'll we'll make a bet. We'll do a best of three later, and we'll come back and make this huge bet with you guys for whoever uh, wins." Uh, the terms were, if uh, one second, sorry. Uh, if um Evoga won, they would get a character made in their um in their honor, and they would be waived of all fees that they owe SNK. But if SNK won, they had to be paid the fees. They had to create a character in SNK's honor for uh Rage of the Dragons, the double dragon game they were making, and they owe them an additional five thousand dollars. So the game was on. It was a t. It was a three v three. Each uh each person from each side was controlling one character for the King of Fighters. It, layout. The first person from the Evoga team completely floored every single SNK player. And uh, <laughs> and so that is the story of how Angel Torres beat SNK and got Angel into the King of Fighters. Nice. That's, I'm looking at artwork of her now. Those are 
it's an interesting design choice. It's like sort of like arseless chaps, but with just a G-string <laughs> underneath. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's very uh, wrestling inspired, but also very sexual. And uh, so very fact, wrestling inspired. Got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, fun fact: canonically, she has the biggest bust size in uh, the uh, King of Fighters universe. But uh, moving on from that. Uh, <laughs> You're Tekken's... right, that was fun. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Tekken 7 hit 8 million copies uh, sold recently, like worldwide. And to celebrate, they're releasing two new editions of the game digitally that just bundles DLC all together. Uh, the first version of this is just um, uh, the game and all the characters that are Tekken exclusive characters. While the second bundle has all of the... Uh, all the DLC that the game ever did, like the extra modes and the stages and everything, but also Noctis and Negan. That's right. I completely forgot. Ooh, those two. Cool. That was that man. What strange. Yeah, man. they were very strange inclusions. Uh, this probably signifies that Tekken Seven is done in releasing new content, but um, having uh, ways to buy the game and just everything outright is good. But the price is uh is pretty astronomical. I haven't looked it up, but I've seen people complain that it's very expensive. Uh, following up on that, uh, Arc System Works released a trailer for the new Dungeon Fighter Duel game that they're doing. Uh, they revealed this last year, and it went quiet for a year. They've brought it back with a new trailer, and also brought up uh, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube pages specifically for the game. Cool. Looking huh. forward to another Arc System game. They're always very good. Although they're always yeah. basically the same. Yeah, they're so. good. Um, I looked into Dungeon Fighter a little bit, and there is, there's 16 classes in that game with about four to five subclasses in each one, which means, uh, which brings them up to like a total of 61 characters that they could build up to. Um, at the moment they've only shown five. They've got a Berserker, which is a male. Uh, sorry. So for these classes, they've got male and female versions of them as well. So um. Uh, uh, for the Berserker is a male exclusive character. The Inquisitor is a female exclusive character. But the next three, uh, they've got a Grappler, a Striker, and a Ranger. And you could get male or female versions of them or male or female versions of other types in those same classes, which would be interesting and help diversify the roster. So is this fighter in the same vein as uh, Dragon Ball Fighters type of thing, or is it more 3D? Uh, it's going to be in like Dragon Ball Fighters, Guilty oh, yeah, Gear cool. sort of style. Uh, cool. Moving on from that real quick, Street Fighter V did a spring update stream revealing, uh, showing off the last character for the game called Luke. Uh, interesting about him is that he's kind of a preview for what they're going to do for Street Fighter VI, and um, there's a lot of discussion around what's, uh, what exactly he's introducing that will be like that. My, um, my guess is that he's... Uh, He's a very offensive style character, and he uh, pushes the game. So he just tosses being... slurs out everywhere, or <laughs> no, no, not that type of offensive. He um he pushes the game to be more towards um trying to play aggressively rather than defensively. Right. So um, there's a system in the game called um V triggers. Uh, and it, some characters have uh, uh V triggers that put them on a timer, and that just means like. Um, it, it over time it, it'll decrease the meter, but it also goes down when they use it. His um his works a bit differently. Uh, it does go down when he uses his abilities tied to it, but if he's if he's just standing still, the V trigger gauge uh starts 
building up again. And if he lands attacks, it starts building up. The only way to decrease it is to use his his uh, attacks exclusive to it or to take damage. So it kind of engages the enemy to come towards him and attack him to try and take out his uh, extra mechanics. But um, he releases November 29, and uh, he looks pretty interesting. How long has Street Fighter Five been going for? That seems like one of those games that... Yeah, it's been out for a while now, I think. Yeah, I think it released 2016 or 2017. And hmm. yeah, it's coming to the end of its life now. And it, the la this stream was like, yeah, this is the end of the game. But it's more of a see you soon sort of thing because they're already working on the next Street Fighter project. There's been no secret they're working on one. Street so, Fighter um, Five goes five years, checks out. Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> uh, in 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 my opinion, bigger fighting news though. Yeah, I was about to say the exact same thing. Bigger fighting <laughs> game news because this is all small update sort of stuff. Yeah, this, this is a big reveal. Um, Warner Brothers announced Multiverses, a team-focused uh, Smash clone that is using Warner Brothers Ultra uh, Warner Brothers properties. And yes, of course, Ultra Instinct's Shaggy is in the roster. Although I think with that, uh, what what do we think? Is he going to be capped at one percent power, or are we, are we maybe maybe see two percent power or DLC three percent power? But I I don't think we're going to see true Shaggy form in this one. He's not even using one. his own power. They've already stated that uh, all his power at the moment is coming from a crystal he ate that he thought was a candy. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, there is law reasons why he is the way he is. Uh, the <laughs> it's not even out yet, but everything I've seen about this, I'm so hyped for it. It looks a lot of fun. Um, making the game based on two v two mechanics really shakes up the formula as well. Like it's going to be a very fun team game from the looks of it, because Smash does have team modes in it, but um, it's very still much of you do your own thing while your partner beats up another enemy. You can two v one people and whatever. But this has a lot of mechanics in there about helping your teammate. Like, um, Steven Universe can throw shields on his partner. Uh, you can follow Bugs Bunny in his uh, rabbit holes. Uh, Wonder Woman can save her partner using a uh, lasso of truth. So there's a lot of things in there where they're being very mindful about this being a 2v2 game and making things for your partners. I, I said this might have been last episode, might have been the episode previous, but... I feel a bit bad for the Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl devs because that game seems to be basically dead at this point. But the Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl developers actually commented on this game saying that things like voice acting and presentation seem to be very much in line of what people want out of fighting games and it would have been <laughs> nice if their game got that sort of polish too. Oh, oh man, uh, that, so you know that hurts over. even more. Because I was going to say, like, this... this Everything that I've seen about this, and it also being free to play, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it is this, free to play. Yeah, this will absolutely kill what's left of Nickelodeon All Star Brawl, and I think it could actually be a contender for uh, an alternate to Smash, especially if they're taking it in a different direction with Two B Two. But I'm super excited for this. Well, is it? Are we getting to this sort of point where it's like the multiverse of Smash, where it's just like, oh, this is the Warner Brothers version of Smash, as opposed to the Warner Brothers version of Dark Souls? Well, I mean, Smash could be dead now, so we might need an alternative to Smash. But yeah, there are like Smash-style fighting games, and then there's traditional-style fighting games. If, if you recall, uh, the last time a, a couple of podcasts ago, we had a discussion about Sakurai saying he doesn't know what to do with Smash now. It's kind of hit a crescendo, and he's unsure of where they can go now. Whatever they do next is going to disappoint fans. 
So now's a good time for alternatives to come in and try and fill a gap. I mean, all they need to do is one crossover event with uh, Multiverses X Smash Brothers, where Waluigi becomes a playable character. Perfect game. But, but Waluigi was never in Smash Brothers. How could it be a crossover he if he was never a core roster fighter? He wasn't a core roster fighter. He's an assist trophy, that counts. He's in Smash. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's the most we take those of the wins. <laughs> it is. Uh, my poor boy. But um, on top of that, they didn't really discuss monetization options because the game being free to play, of course, it's going to have monetization somewhere in there. My yep. guess, though, is it's going to be in the costumes because they showed a lot of costumes for <laughs> yeah, the characters. Mm, can't wait for the, the season one battle pass for multiverses. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. As much yeah. as I love free to play games and kid me would have loved it because I wouldn't have to spend money. Like, it just sort of like feels like they're just doing the bare minimum, releasing it for free, and like, oh, don't worry, people will pay for it if they want. Uh, so I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, but so far, what we see on the tin, we're liking. But things yeah. we are not liking. So, Patrick, you've been looking for that L for so long, I finally found it. Right, game stole it and put it on their new game called Project L. I hate it. <laughs> um, so something I, I didn't get, uh, something I didn't mention about multiverses, but is a key point for both of these games is that they're both. Uh, I believe both are using rollback netcode, which I mentioned earlier in the episode. But they're also using dedicated servers on top of those to help alleviate some issues. Mm, and um, I've heard that with multiverses, at least, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of what I want to talk about this game is more what the developers are doing to push it, the um to push fighting games forward because the two people that are, that are leading this game are the Cannon Brothers. They actually do a lot of stuff for the FGC and moving uh, the fi- fighting games forward. They created rollback netcode, if I'm not mistaken. And um, they also created the Evo events that's in Las Vegas every year. But um, yeah, what they're doing for uh, Project L is that they're using uh, Riot servers to ensure that... um. Uh, on top of netcode is that if you, if you have a good internet connection, the game will always feel smooth for you. Even if the opponent has a bad connection, you won't get any of those stutters or lags that rollback is known for. And if someone rage quits because the server can detect who quit the match, they'll give them the L and give the person that stays the uh, the win. So Finally. Are, yeah, that those, that those, never seemed like a hard problem to solve, but it it plagues uh, climbing ranks and things like Smash Brothers. It's crazy that it's taken this long to like announce yeah. that there's a system like that in place. Yeah, it's it's not so much that it's a hard problem to solve. It's just that the way fighting game infrastructure was for so long, it, it made it hard to do because it was always based on peer-to-peer connections rather than servers because mm. since fighting games are one-on-one games, they figure uh, putting in a server just makes an unnecessary middleman. But without having that server in place, you can't tell who was the person that quit the match. You just see, oh, the connection was lost. Well, there goes the game. Mm. So, Project L, you excited? You're not excited? Uh, some quick thoughts before we move on. Uh, I'm excited. It's a 2v2 game. It's similar to Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite and Blazebrew Cross Tag Battle, which uh, were both very fun games. Um, uh, I've always, I always enjoy tag-based fighting games. Uh, they're also doing something where they're simplifying special moves. So they're 
core emphasis on the game is that they don't want to make a game where armor where new players can beat set uh veteran players or people of higher skill levels which is something that a lot of fine game developers are trying to do at the moment but they want to uh basically raise the floor so that the new players can unlock the fun of the game as early as possible and just get into uh enjoying the game as quickly as possible they've done stuff like uh putting special moves on buttons and uh, removing motion inputs that plague a lot of um fighting game players that's uh, think those are hard to like barriers of entry basically they're trying to remove as many of those to get as many people into the game as possible so do you reckon the game will be a riot so josh do you want to tell me about kirby being nominated for a grammy (laughs) um yeah i mean we we definitely can um so kirby well kirby himself hasn't been nominated for a grammy sadly but basically, there was a new arrangement of Meta Knight's Revenge from like the 1996 game of Kirby. Kirby Superstar, I think it was called. Um, let me just open this up. Charlie Rosen and Jake Silverman have basically redone it um, and made it into this awesome track with the, with the bands. And it's actually like arranged really well. So that's been nominated for a Grammy. We'll find out in January if it won. But it's joining the ranks of like, I think, three total now game music, tra- uh, either tracks or soundtracks that have been nominated for a grammy award so that's pretty cool but not yeah. too much to say other than that it's cool to see it becoming more mainstream and more widely accepted as like it is a, a genuine form of creative expression it should be awarded as such where, where applicable yeah yeah you don't hear for, about our um, video game music being recognized like this ever yeah mm. especially for like kirby has always had such a consistently amazing soundtrack that i'm glad even if it's just an arrangement of a 1996 track for it to be recognized as, you know, good music, because it, it is. Could you imagine if Horizon 5 got a Grammy nomination for Car Noises? For Car Noises? I was about to say, it's all licensed music, but for Car Noises? Yeah, no, that, that'd be cool. It would. Just, uh, it, you I'd, know, I'd, I'd love to listen to the preview before they announce the winner. <laughs> 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 and representing Horizon 5 and just a B12 revving. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be cool to see, like, some kind of... Um, because obviously that there are game awards for OSTs and stuff, but the, I don't think like there, there's ones for like sound design, but I don't think there's anything for particular like artifacts of sound. So things like you know maybe like a sword hitting or like a gunshot or um, e- even like an engine revving. So I think it really exists. So it'd be cool to see a category added for that in something. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I guess. That's all we really need to say about that. So I guess we can dig into some uh, some more uh, new games. So Dragon Ball. Yeah. So um, the Dragon Ball, the Breakers beta that uh, I mentioned last week, they're already taking signups for it. Uh, real quick, let me check when the dates were for that were. While he's checking, are we looking at signing up? I I've, I've already signed up. I saw, up yeah. my alley, but. I signed up, but I'm not going to cancel any plans for it. Like I did the Halo Infinite, um, beta release they did a while back. Uh, I'm sort of keen for it. I get the feeling it's like just a Dead by Daylight skin with a bit of a Dragon Ball type of feel to it. Yeah, uh, the date is going to be the um in a, in uh in the US the Saturday and Sunday after this podcast releases. And it'll be four different sessions staggered throughout those times at like four hour chunks each. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, I think right. I'll probably sign up, but, but yeah, like Steven said, I probably won't cancel anything for it. I, I do absolutely love my Dragon Ball games, but this isn't a typical Dragon Ball like fighting or story based game. It's just yeah, like a Dead by Daylight clone from what I can tell. So Yeah, I'm I'm keen on it because like the entire premise of it interests me and uh it them looking at episodes of um at Dragon Ball and going Hey, that makes an interesting idea for a game, even if it is a clone of another game. Is it's it's good to see them do something outside of the norm for the series. I think. Yeah, good point. I mean, the universe is pretty expansive, and even going back to the old days when it was Dragon Ball, they could do a thousand different things. Yeah, exactly. Moving on from that, uh, Hideki Kamiya, uh, he's come out to talk about Microsoft and. Uh, I guess, scale bounce cancellation. Uh, touch on that briefly. Yeah, uh, this is just very quick, but um, uh, for a long time, people assumed that Microsoft, uh, as a publisher, were making too many demands for scale bounds, and uh, that's what eventually got it cancelled. But uh, Kamiya recently came out and said, no, this was a problem with um, Platinum Games. They were being overambitious, and there were too many setbacks on their end that... Uh, caused the uh, caused the game to be cancelled, and they wanted to personally apologise to the fans and to Microsoft about it. That basically coming down to they weren't experienced enough with a, mul- a multitude of things like the environment design, trying to make photorealistic graphics, and using Unreal Engine or even building online features that uh, were being put into scale bound. So there were too many negatives, and all just piled on top of each other in- until it's just gave way which is a shame i was really looking forward to this game i would have bought when it was announced i would have bought an xbox one for this game yeah it's, it's nice to have that finally wrapped up though and have a little bit of closure but that's that's all that story really is yeah it's just a little bit of closure for that game x bros we lost <laughs> uh, uh i guess the next next thing on the ticket uh tencent uh comes up whips out their footlong uh wallet uh, want to want to talk about this? Oh right, I completely forgot this was on the docket. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, uh, Tencent has made a sizable investment into Platonic Games, and it's uh, it's been uh, such an investment that they can now double in size as a studio, and it's uh, let them make uh make three more projects now. One of them being a sequel to the 2017 release of uh, Ukulele. The disappointing game that was. It was not, not disappointing. Yeah. It was very good. It wasn't as good as Banjo Kazooie or Banjo Tui. It was good for what it was. No, it wasn't. I, I, all I remember of that game is that it was announced. People were like, "Oh yeah," and then it came out, and then, <laughs> then it went to the void. <laughs> yeah, it it went into that Kickstarter void of, "Oh no, this isn't as good as what I wanted it to be." Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the comparisons were that everyone thought they would revolutionize the three D platforming genre like Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie, because it is made from a bunch of old Rare developers. And it sort of did. It does capture a bit of the charm, and the humour is fantastic as well, and the writing's really good. But the gameplay is pretty repetitive. Um, It's good for about... And then you sort of do everything, and then because I really enjoyed it, 100% of it, um, to the point where my partner told me to play it on mute because the music was pretty annoying. (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't have headphones at the time. Oh, uh, good old Grant Kirkhope. It, it was good, though. Like, it's, it was what it was. Did it get repetitive after a while? Of course it did. Um, But 
I enjoyed it. I'm glad I got it for 50% off, as I always do. Always get games on a sale, never pay full price. Never free. <laughs> I kickstarted a game and I still haven't played it. Oh, okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, um... Um, I've, I've kickstarted a couple of games that, uh, three games. I've kickstarted my number nine, which I played and absolutely loathed. Oh boy, uh, man, what a waste of money there. Oh boy. That's yeah, that was a massive was waste say. of money. Um, I also did the uh, ukulele, which I haven't touched yet, but I own both games with the express desire to play them back to back on a stream sometime. It's just finding time to actually stream that's uh, bugging me. <laughs> and if people wanted to watch you do that, where would they find you? At twitch.tv slash kaibar. Man, holy crap, um, I'm drowning. That was the best plug in the world. Oh, man. <laughs> and oh, I also, I also, um, also kick-started uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night when that was uh, coming up. But um, that game's been getting updates for so long, I just decided to wait till they were done. And it doesn't look like they're ever going to be done because they still <laughs> plan to patch it while they're making the sequel at the moment. Wow. But yeah, uh, ukulele getting a sequel is actually kind of interesting, and especially uh, since they can, they, they're doubling the size of their studio, more manpower could just hopefully mean a better game. I'm excited. Something else that's getting a sequel, well, not really, but kind of. Uh, Skyrim's getting a, a pretty large patch, I hear. It's, it's pretty decent size from what I, I've seen, just for bug fixes, but the, the big one worth mentioning, because we won't spend long on it because I, I, I shilled it last week, um, is basically just there was a whole bunch of black screening issues and issues with a, a few, um, basically, I guess, just consistency within bugs, things that should have been fixed and weren't. So they now patched that, they've now fixed that. The only thing worth mentioning is that it's probably going to break SKSE, um, so Skyrim Script Extender and any other mods that you've now installed that have already been updated for this anniversary edition. Yeah, because so that keep broke an eye on that. that broke when anniversary came out didn't it it did yeah so now that they're releasing another patch um there's a good to fair chance that those will also break um, <laughs> there is already mods to to limit it back to that um sort of that that version level so that it doesn't update but yeah if you just update update your mods as well and uh yeah keep an eye on it speaking of things we have to keep an eye on rock band x Fortnite. anyone else as hyped as i am for this please no <laughs> is it coming out of Everyone's, uh, hopefully. <laughs> everyone's just being bought by the bigger companies at the moment. It's kind of upsetting. Yeah, it's so I guess we should give a little bit of context to the story. Fortnite has picked up Harmonics, I believe, yeah, the, the studio Epic, behind yeah. Rock Band. Yeah, Epic Epic picked up uh, Harmonics. Oh, sorry, yeah, Epic. Yeah, sorry. I, I forget that they do more than Fortnite. Yes, of course. Epic. Um, Epic is the one that picked so up they're Harmonics. They're behind things like Rock Band, Guitar Hero, and the bigger release recently they did is Fuser. Uh, which seems to be the reason why they picked it up, so they can have mixing of music in-game, from what I understand. But it's... Oh, man. Uh, I, why? Just just stop adding things to this game. What do you mean? <laughs> Don't you want to play Fortnite with a Guitar Hero controller? <laughs> can already do Yeah, that. <laughs> finally, we get the Rock Band drum support that I've been always wanting in my Fortnite games. Get the whole band <laughs> together to control one character. <laughs> Hang on, Mum and Dad, I'm just going to play um, my music video game. That's this Fortnite button. Use, use your Rock Band controllers to Megazord a character. <laughs> Can't wait till we go down to the final 1v1 uh, after all the other players have been eliminated, and then it just becomes a rhythm game to see who wins. That would actually be kind of neat. And they just bring back the other 98 people that are uh, 97 people and they have to watch as part of the concert. 
Yeah, yeah, and then and then they're the fans that start like cheering or booing if you've got if you're doing well. Just just Although... imagine of imagine a sea of Naruto's as Chris uh, Redfield and uh, <laughs> uh, Kratos are jamming out. I. I, I, I like the implication there in that the person that gets eliminated and comes like a hundredth in whatever Fortnite game that they're playing has to just sit there and wait for the, <laughs> for the idea of a rock concert in like 20 minutes. <laughs> more uh, importantly though, will Travis Scott be playing any more concerts in Fortnite? I don't think Travis Scott's going to be playing anywhere for a while. Um mm. Maybe a charity I mean, he, he, he may need to put a few concerts on to make back some of the money he's probably going to lose in a bunch <laughs> of lawsuits. Yeah, horrible situation, but yeah, he's he's kind of a shit human, so yeah, whatever, man. I feel bad for all the people that aren't him in that situation. Yeah, me too. Uh, anyway, moving swiftly along from that one. Uh, Seth, you want to discuss the Chrono Cross Remaster rumors? Yeah, so just real quick touch on this, um, because this is a very uh, rumor-filled uh, uh, article as it is. Um, a while ago, like about a month or two ago, uh, folk singer Eva McMahon, who goes by the performance name Ava, told an Irish radio station that they had recorded an Irish language theme for a game that was going to be a PlayStation remake. And at the time, because the words PlayStation Remake, everyone thought it was PlayStation doing a remake of a game. But um, according to someone over at Xbox Era, the uh, co-founder Nick Baker, the remake is actually going to be a Chrono Cross remaster. So not even a remake, it's just going to be a remaster of the game. And um, But it, they seem to be making these claims because of the past NVIDIA leaks and claiming that they have their own insider knowledge about it. So this could all be real big bullshit and um like just throwing it as uh, saying there's smoke where there's uh, saying there's fire where there's smoke but it also also could be nothing i but... love the idea that you say that there is a playstation remake on the horizon and there is a playstation remake on the horizon and you get two wildly different responses <laughs> yeah um uh, yeah, well, Chrono Cross was a PlayStation 1 game so that does count as a PlayStation re- yeah, remake yeah ex- exactly yeah <laughs> but um uh, but yeah, uh, Chrono Cross is one of the highest rated games on Metacritic, and a lot of people are hoping that this game will um will increase if it does happen, that it'll increase some um, public view of the game because Chrono Trigger was that special of a game that people just kind of overlook Cross. But um, yeah, not much else to say to that. I kind of hope that is a Chrono Cross remaster just for those that chance, but I'd also be interested to see what. If if it is a Sony remake of something else, what that could be. Did you guys ever play Chrono Cross? Because I sure didn't. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I haven't played any of the Chrono games. I haven't played Chrono Cross. I played Chrono Trigger for, for when I was young, but um, yeah, not not Chrono Cross. Be interesting to sort of see what they do if it's just sort of like a one to one remake, or if it's a like a Final Fantasy VII remake thing where it's all three D and. I think and the idea is that it'd be um a remaster of the game so, so it'd be the original game uprest sort of thing uh, okay. where they they remake it to look like um the original game was playstation audio in mono i believe it was stereo it was stereo okay yeah so uh, they're just re- i guess they're just trying to get fresh audio yeah i mean it would have had the 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 old rca cables the um, yeah, true. video yeah, component that left right audio so i'm assuming it would have been stereo oh yeah. god man that takes me back 
Bring back Left Right and Play Far Out. Oh, still colorful. It was a simpler time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, should we move on to the the big news of the week that we're probably going to spend the next half hour on? Uh, yeah, things that we wish would get a remake. The executive structure of Activision Blizzard. That was a fucking fantastic segue. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I thought of it like two minutes ago. I was jumping up and down waiting to use it. <laughs> anyway, let's get into this one. So um, to, to make this interesting, should we all take different, uh, different um, headings for this? So since I'm the PlayStation guy, should I comment about Jim Ryan? Since, uh, since uh, uh, Steve has shares in Microsoft, he should take Phil Spencer and all that. <laughs> because basically everyone in the industry, uh, every big industry lead has made comments about this in the last week. I think we'll oh. begin with our various comments as we go. Let's just start. Yeah, let's just get yeah story. let's just go through them. Okay, so... <laughs> This all started off with uh, Jim Ryan making uh, making a um email out to basically the entirety of Sony, saying that they um that they kind of are uh, they've seen the situation they've reached out to Activision and they're really disappointed in Activision's um uh, outlook and the way they're handling the situation, and uh they re- they want to double down on that they're committed on ensuring that their their own community of developers and gamers feel safe and respected. Uh Jim Ryan should have kept his mouth shut though, because now yeah, Sony that was is a... under those so same sort of lawsuits of California. <laughs> that was a big activated by trap card moment there, boy yeah. oh um a former PlayStation so just just to put this as a quick tangent, a former PlayStation IT security analyst uh filed a lawsuit against uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment California for uh, the same sort of thing of um, Sony tolerates and cultivates a work environment that discriminates against female employees. Uh, they're subjugated to unlawful and uh, disparate treatment in pay and work opportunities. And basically saying that um, women in the, in Sony Interactive Entertainment don't get the same sort of um, promotion opportunities that men will have and they're actively blocked from moving up in the company. It probably is worth noting here that uh, I'm not defending Sony in any way over these allegations, but uh, it is worth pointing out that there's a distinction between Sony just being kind of uh, like dismissive and and shitty versus Activision Blizzard being actively hostile to to anything with a skirt. Yeah, no, uh, this the, these are these are both serious issues. Um, it 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 really sucks to have to put this in like in uh quotations, but. I do feel Activision is worse in this situation because there's actual legitimate sexual harassment going on there and people yeah. committing suicide over this sort of um situation that's been happening. Yeah, while, not um, to defend Sony, but also yeah, not, not to... to but, not to defend Sony at all. Yeah, but um, definitely yeah. worth pointing out that they are slightly different situations. They are. But, um, yeah, so Sony Sony's... Uh, it's also just kind of uh funny to see that Sony made comments about treating their... Uh, their workers with respect and then they immediately get hit by a lawsuit themselves oh you love so, to hate to see it <laughs> yeah uh coming up after that was phil spencer who did a similar sort of email and it was confirmed by uh bloomberg's jason freer and by ign as well uh the words that specifically were that um they were disturbed and deeply troubled by the horrific events and actions at Activision Blizzard, and this type of behavior has no place in our industry. 
and they're evaluating all aspects of their relationship with Activision Blizzard and making ongoing proactive adjustments. So same thing that uh, Jim Ryan said uh, uh, regarding Activision. And so have they been slapped with an internal lawsuit yet, or is that coming next week? They were flagged with an internal lawsuit a few months ago. Yeah, it's sort of like a uh, close theme enough. Is that their big companies are always sort of getting done with this kind of stuff? But yeah, but yeah, but what's going on at Activision Blizzard is literally a a deep seated, deep seated, entrenched issue, and has much more far reaching complications. And yeah, there's, there's, there's got to be some kind of cognitive dissonance where you look at all of this in the state of the industry and you go, man, it would suck to work at company that's not ours. Make sure that company that is ours is doing much better only to get hit with, again, slightly different set of circumstances, but like, you know, the same kind of root of just being shitty. There, there is no self-awareness and the, the matrix we live in is glitching out. Oh, definitely feels like that sometimes. Um, so who else has piled in? Doug Bowser from Nintendo, surprisingly, because Nintendo usually stays quiet about this sort of thing. But um, yeah, interesting. And interesting was Nintendo of America, and also interesting. I'll never get over the fact that the CEO of Nintendo of America is last yeah, name Bowser. Th- th- this is coming from Bowser. He yeah. regularly kidnaps women, like on a on a weekly or monthly basis, and he's still coming out with the moral high ground here. Yeah, uh, anyone's better than Activision at this point, even <laughs> even a maniacal tyrant, <laughs> even even a fire-breathing turtle. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Doug Bowser did another like company-wide email that r- reached out to like even their uh, uh development studios like Retro Studios and Next Level Games, where they go uh quoted, along with all of you, I've been following the latest developments with Activision Blizzard and the ongoing reports of sexual harassment and toxicity at the company. I find these accounts distressing and disturbing. They run counter to my values as well as Nintendo's beliefs, values, and policies. Uh, He later goes on to explain that Nintendo is committed to having an open and inclusive workplace where all people are welcome. He remarks the company holds itself to this high standard and expects the same from the industry and their partners. Uh... They, he's, they've also been in contact with Activision and have taken action and are addressing where they can. Um, so with with all these uh, with all these notes of address, uh, these uh, three companies addressing issues with Activision, I just remembered and wanted to point out that before these claims were made, uh, over on the PlayStation website, they had big banners for um uh, Call of Duty Vanguard coming out and were advertising it all over the uh website. As soon as uh, Jim Ryan made these comments, everything Call of Duty related got taken down. Interesting. Okay. Like you can like st- it's still on the store and everything, but those sort of advertisements and like featured listings were gone. Yeah, it it's always a strange thing that they come out and say, "Oh no, it's really bad. We're reassessing things." But what are they and actually? And they just continue do? taking the taking the cash cow under the table. Yeah. Yeah, well, so it, it's interesting to see that one of these companies, like, at least put some money where their mouth is of taking um, at taking it off their featured list. Even and, though it's also the one that gets smacked <laughs> with an internal lawsuit about yeah. similar shit immediately. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Uh, yeah. Matrix tech support team must be doing overtime to try and correct all these glitches. So, moving on from the three big companies, uh, we get to Activision's uh, response which was in direct uh, response to Phil Spencer's comments earlier. 
where they go, uh, we, just, we respect all the feedback from our valued partners and are engaging with them further. We have detailed important changes and we have implemented in recent weeks and we will continue to do so. We are committed to the work ensuring our culture and workplace are safe, diverse and inclusive. We know it will take time, but we will not stop until we have the best workplace for our team. Uh, these uh, responses included a statement from Activision Blizzard uh, uh, calling the Wall Street Journal reports a misleading view of the company and their CEO, <laughs> while a separate statement from Activision's board of directors rallied around Kotick saying it's uh, that they remain confident in the CEO's leadership, commitment, and ability. I mean, which which part of the seemingly proven at this point sexual harassment allegations was misleading? <laughs> Like, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like it's gonna be one of those like yeah what i did was bad but it wasn't that bad like yeah but it's the, part, the, it, the part where activision yeah. it, it's the misleading part is the part where activision has to pretend it's their problem <laughs> yeah, and oh god there was actually that's another partnership we didn't actually mention which i think is also sort of writing on the wall there's um a, i think i think they're a free company uh sort of like they're just like a charity mission basically called girls who code and they had active things with activision i believe that they were placing interns and stuff within their company um and they've now ended that arrangement and said we don't want our people working for you if you're going to continue doing this right so they've actually they're losing employees as well not only that are working there but potential employees so they need to that make that's really good quickly. news to hear though that they're pulling out of that arrangement oh for sure yeah i mean it's expected but it's uh it's definitely something that just just screams writing on the wall, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm always left with a bad taste when I see an email going, we are committed to X, Y, Z. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get it that it's supposed to be like a snippy bite of like, yeah, our position, like, <laughs> yeah, we as a company, our position on workplace sexual harassment is that workplace sexual harassment is bad. Like, fine, but you've now been, like, accused of doing it multiple times across... No, it's not even like a recent thing. We're like, yeah, these changes will take time. It's like, bro, these changes should have been like the time taken to put these changes in means that there should have been like something should have happened by now. Not that it's the same story. I just, oh, it's so frustrating to read this over and over again. And of course, like, let, let's say the scenario where uh, they don't do much and they get like a bit of a PR tank, but, you know, business as normal continues. I'd almost put money that in the next five years we see something similar. Different people, different executive, but like culture, someone, I don't remember whose quote it was, but culture starts at the executive level and trickles down. And I don't see culture improving despite all the funny sound bites and clips that they want from the media until we actually see meaningful change in the executive structure. So I put this down in our docket, but I called Riot uh, corporate the other corporate shit stain. And um, we we already know how this plays out because of riots. We've got all these um games news outlets, uh, decrying Blizzard, but at the same time, when Riot just did their um all their recent announcements, they're making articles articles saying Riot is uh, flourishing while Blizzard is having their worst uh, year uh, of their industry uh, of their time in the industry. Mm. But Riot's being done for these exact same sort of allegations. They're just as bad uh, as uh, Blizzard is and Activision are, but um, because this, their lawsuit is uh, underway at the moment and no one's talking about it anymore, everyone's just kind of gone about it and like, just getting a free celebrating pass riots. In the public arena. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And 
they're in the same position as Blizzard, but all these outlets are making them seem like the good guys compared to Blizzard. It's it's another very frustrating thing. Yeah. People have forgotten. Is that is that the problem? That it's just more. It's just more of a cultural I, issue of just like okay, what the right thing was like what two three years ago. Okay, that's over. Oh, now Blizzard's bad. Okay, they're the bad guys, and then yeah, well, it's it's like a double edged thing, right? Like it's it's hard to remain focused on one thing when there are so many things to be outraged at. Yeah, good point. Yeah, not only that as well, but a lot of attention has been on Blizzard for just doing bad things in general. Like WoW is dying. The remaster for Diablo two wasn't what people really wanted, from what I heard. Reforge was garbage. There was just everything about them was being slammed. So it just became like a hype train to slam on Blizzard. And then all this stuff came out. And now it's yeah. just continuing to dump on Blizzard. Whereas, and, and I, I hate that I'm going to say this, but Riot has been releasing games. And that's what the game companies care about. So they're like, cool, look at these new games. Look at these shiny toys. Because they're releasing news, not necessarily contrary to the fact that you know these allegations are happening. But they're saying, look at this game that's been released because it's their job. So it's what what's bothering me though is those type of articles that I mentioned where they're going, hey, look at riots. They're they're doing fantastic at the moment, and in the same headline for the same article, it says while Blizzard is being it, uh, while Blizzard is going through their worst time ever yeah, at the moment. And that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it if is. if it was just reporting on what Riot is doing at the moment, I wouldn't have a problem. But it's painting right as good guys in an article about Blizzard being this corporate, being the big bad. Yeah, this corporate nightmare at the moment. It's yeah, it's mind-boggling what they're doing. But um, so there's one more one more point on this article I want to go through, and I call this the cherry on top. And um, I I'm probably just going to read these points word for word. Um, so. Bobby Kotick was defended by Activision Blizzard's leadership during a company meeting where employees were told its new zero tolerance policy would not apply to claims made this week against its CEO. But um, staff has heard little new. Game developer reported citing sources on the call who said that pre-screened questions were given answers repeating the company's pre-stated defenses that were apparently nothing to suggest Activision Blizzard's executives would, ma- uh, would not continue to stand by Kotick in the short term. Uh, when they were asked whether Activision Blizzard's new zero-tolerance policy harassment was something that uh, Kotick would uh, be held up to, uh, staff were told no, and Activision Blizzard's execs said they did not have evidence of Kotick's own alleged harassment of employees, uh, such as the time that he is claimed to have threatened to kill a staff member, and that these occurred over a decade ago. Employees were also told that the company's upcoming Thanksgiving break had been extended, something staff suspected was an attempt to dampen further criticism of the company. Uh, like I'm, I'm a I'm a big believer in you know, like due process, fair, like you know, if if by some miracle all of this comes out that it actually was fabrication and Kodak's just a really misunderstood guy, fine. But the statistical chance of that is so low that you have stories of this kind of nature that have been reported seemingly fairly consistently for the past decade that, sure, they don't have evidence, sure, they don't have, like, a need to compel him to abide by the same processes as lower-level employees, but god damn, <laughs> like, <laughs> how many, 
how how far how like what what could he get away with before the board would actually decide maybe maybe we should pull him out the board is full of kotex friends and people that he's helped put into their positions of power with the company so they're all going to stand together in this big boys club sort of situation Mm -hmm. so if anything's going to happen the entire board is going to have to be taken down before anything happens to kotex and uh, the only way to do that is through the shareholders so you know you have to see what happens there. Yeah, you know, I don't think there are mm. enough shareholders to outweigh the members of the board and, you know, co them himself and everything that, that own shares in these companies. And a lot of the shareholders only care if they're making money, and they are. So, you know. It it was, it, I probably, like, it, it probably got glossed over because of me just going over those points, point for point. But the thing that's, uh, that's so mind-boggling about this is that, um, that says, Activision Blizzard's new zero tolerance policy harassment does not apply to Kotick at all. They're just um they're just letting him have a free reign over everything. Yeah. I think the biggest thing to me um is that your job as a leader, especially in a position as like a CEO and stuff like that, is to be a representative, like you were saying, as with the executives. Yeah, the culture will flow down. Your job, if you're under these allegations and everything, your job is to lead, your job is to step aside until it's clear that you were not in fault. Um, you know, yeah. even to the point where uh, a politician that I personally despise, Gladys Berejiklian in, in New South Wales, you know, she stood down when she had uh, corruption allegations against her, which was the right move to do. You know, if, if something happens where it clears up, of course you can take that position back, but there, you're, you're under the point where your your job is a leader. You're supposed to be a role model. What kind of role are you, are you setting for everyone else in your company? If you can be accused of things and get away with it, everyone underneath them is going to assume the same thing. To so. to just throw a dagger into Gladys, so she did that a year after the allegations started. So she tried to write it out <laughs> for a year. She did, and but then she, she eventually down. I don't think Bobby ever will. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that, that that's yet to be seen. I I just had to I just had to make that um addendum there. Yeah, this is true. Um, but, uh, yeah, unless we have any other notes on, on Activision. God, I can't wait to see this company burn. <laughs> Do you reckon it will? Like, Call of Duty's coming out soon. Is this Call of Duty like... is out, and it's the worst oh, it's... rated one. Oh, it's People aren't out, buying huh? it. Yeah. yeah. Man, why aren't we playing that? They, they did a free weekend because Halo was eating their lunch. <laughs> and Battlefield released at the same time, although Battlefield's also a gigantic mess. Yeah, so. Battle- Battlefield tanked. Uh, card tanked, and they all get to join in the three circles of hell with the uh, the the Rockstar definitive edition <laughs> of uh, GTA. So, man, us, man, Halo Bros, rise up! We've won. We've done. Triple <laughs> A, triple A gaming right now. Mm-hmm. Mm, the good. way to go. <laughs> the way to go is free to play with a really shitty battle pass. Sadly, <laughs> yeah. that is accurate. Remake a fifteen-year-old game. No, though, Rockstar did that. That's why they're in this mess. But Pokemon referring to did Pokemon, as well. Yeah. They're good. <laughs> Pokey Bros. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but po- Pokemon didn't call that the definitive edition because if it did, it would be platinum. <laughs> uh, <all> right. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Dabs. <laughs> um, which actually ties us nicely towards the epilogue because for the first time, uh, we might have actually had this for a while, but just no one's told me. Um, do you agree with my statement? Do you not agree? We now have a mailbag. You can actually tell us when we're wrong rather than you know just leaving hateful comments like uh other people have been doing uh anyway you can find us at uh fast travel lounge at gmail.com uh feel free to write in uh, what are your thoughts on these stories uh even just ask us some questions we'll pick out some of the stuff we like um and filter out 
as much of the hate as we can for next week's show. Uh, that does bring us to the end of the news section uh, and the end of episode four. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we will see you next week. <laughs>